Welcome to Unbooking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the first and lasts, the beginnings and ends, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by the zenith of Xytophile, UTT Rob. Rob, how are you, mate? I'm doing good. Happy St. David's Day, Dan. Oh, is that what it is? No, no, it, it was a few days ago. This is our closest recording to St. David's Day, but uh, we messed up with the timings. But Well, on the bright side, the episode will drop in time for St. David's Day 2023. It will, yeah. Well, our far, depending on how far behind we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it were up to me, it'd come out sometime in about 2062. But are you doing good, mate? Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing good. Yeah, we were both down in London um, last weekend, weren't we? So, yeah, down know. in that London, you were uh, you were Doctor Whoing it up. I was at the uh, at the Carabao Cup final. Good time was had by all, but a momentous occasion has happened to me. Two years into a pandemic, I've got my first contact trace ping today after being at the football. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> There were a few people there, to be fair. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not exactly a shock, is it? But no, it's, I've lasted this long. I've finally got a ping, but I'll just have to keep sticking stuff up my nose and hoping for the best. Yeah, it's the way forward. That's what Tony Khan does. <laughs> and then he ends up buying other wrestling companies. <laughs> yeah, hot on the heels of the name on the contract says Khan, Tony Khan. You know, when we thought it might say Nick or Shahid, but... <laughs> Yeah, that was the one momentous occasion. But the other momentous occasion is the guest we've got today. I've not done a shithouse introduction in a while, and I'm not going to start now, to be quite honest, because uh, this is one of the guys who, without him, quite frankly, I'm not sure I'd have got into podcasting as soon as I did, if at all. Um, he's one half of the original Badlands, one third of the current Badlands, podcaster and outro extraordinaire, Mr. Paul Tolly. How are you, sir? What a da. Thanks. I wasn't expecting a good intro like that. Well, fuck you then, you bald prick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cultivating <laughs> this. Um, sorry, sorry, balding. <laughs> that's better. That's better. I'm, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. It's, it's great to be uh, back on a podcast with you. It's been, it's yeah. been far too long. Yeah, it's been a little while, and I think am I right in saying this is your first guest appearance on uh, on, a, on a podcast that isn't Badlands? My first guest appearance well, at the moment. It's going to be my only guest appearance, unless we have you back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you will, but yeah, we'll, it's been. We'll, we'll put it to the booking committee. <laughs> Thanks for having me on on St David's Day. I was, I was, I was a bit, I was a bit pissed that St David's Day was shared with Pancake Day this uh, this year. That's out of order. If it's any consolation, I didn't realise either of those things were happening. We've been we've been talking about this St. David's Day recording of Welsh wrestling for, for months. <laughs> Have we? Yeah. Ever since yeah. we discovered wrestler was a thing. Oh. Oh, yeah, I do remember it vaguely being mentioned. <laughs> but th- thanks for having me, guys. Um, and introducing me to wrestler as well, which I'm sure we're going to get into talking about. Yeah, well, cat's out of the bag now. We're covering Wrestler today, uh, Welsh wrestling promotion. We'll uh, we'll get into that in a sec, but uh, I have to ask first, Paul, are you drinking? I am drinking. Yeah, I, I couldn't come on this show and not, not be drinking, could I? Good, because I, I am drinking as well, and I've realised I've gone out of order again. 
Only just started drinking as well. That's the worry. <laughs> I, I, told, I told you before, as soon as I leave work, half of my brain switches off. I can't control it. It just happens. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even be, blame painkillers this time either. I'm not taking any. <laughs> what are you on then, Paul? We'll get that out of the way first, and then we'll get to uh, get to some more meat and potatoes. So I had to go rummaging in the cupboard for through the various Christmas presents that I still have, and I've got um, Hawk Hazy Pale. Which very, is, uh, very nice. Not something I've come across before, but um, yeah, it tastes quite nice. Good stuff. Uh, what are you on, Rob? Yeah, so I'm starting off, um, as always, with uh, a Tartarus beer. I've got uh, Rochard, which is a plum Belgian double at 7.5%. So one of the mid-range ones from Tartarus. It's not all 17% beer. And if you go to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15, you can get 15% off. You can indeed. I'm on Tartarus as well for my first one. Uh, I've got the uh, the Cludder, which is the uh, the 11.5% quadruple, and mighty fine it is as well, to be honest. And not just because it's 11.5%. And you know, I like my strong beers. I think you, you've had you've had that one, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. For working the way through the range, they've uh, actually just released a, a couple more this week. The uh, Slenderman, which I believe is an Oreo stout, and uh, yeah. the um, a Sharon, which is another high uh, percentage uh, stout. So I'll be getting on those soon. But for this episode, I thought I'd follow it up with uh, some Welsh beer. So um, I've got uh, three tiny rebels uh, to follow. I've got Bring the Noise, which is a hazy pale ale at four point six percent. I've got Peaches and Cream which is uh, a creamy peach IPA at uh, 5.5%. <laughs> and I've got Easy Living Pale Ale, which is a session pale ale at 4.3%. Yeah, I've had two out of the three of those. The first two you mentioned, and both rather nice, I believe. I've not bothered getting any Welsh beer in. I've got a couple of Brew York uh, new ones. I've got Through the Air Gap, which is a Chinook Idaho 7 and Mosaic IPA at 6.2%, and then Little Eagle, which is a session IPA at 45 so I'll have, a, I'll have a step down after the 11.5 percenter. <laughs> I'm, I'm truly a lightweight on this show. I am going to nurse this one can for the, <laughs> for the entirety of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel bad. I, I, was, I was in Wales just last week and I didn't, I didn't bring any Welsh, Welsh ales back with me. I really failed to plan ahead. Oh, I can't believe you know. I, I should really bollock you for failing to plan ahead, but then I was I was finishing off my prep work 15 minutes before we started recording, so I can't really <laughs> uh, I can't really bollock anybody. <laughs> so speaking of prep work, uh, Paul, we set you some homework. Most podcasts will see you now. Did you get into wrestling and all the usual questions? But but we're genetic freaks and we're not normal. Uh, so we asked you to rank uh, from most important to least important, uh, one to five storyline presentation promos in-ring and fan response so how does that set up for you i love this i, I, I get a little chart at the end don't i don't yeah this? a little fifa style radar yeah i love that all right okay so so number number five most important i've gone for storyline because I, I just think without storyline what 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 is what is professional wrestling really you might as well you might as well just watch boxing or ufc or just a a normal combat sport because the storyline for me is what holds the whole thing together it's what keeps you coming back every week it's what invests you in the in the characters creates your favorites creates the ones you hate yeah it's all about storyline and it doesn't have to be you know I, i'm my, my favorite my favorite style of wrestling is is puro japanese wrestling um so that's where you know the storyline is traditionally a bit more 
a bit slower paced, a bit more slower paced, or in some cases, a lot more slower paced. But the storyline is still there. And it's still the important bit that holds it all together. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a, like a bombastic storyline, but yeah. but there has to be a storyline. And, that, and that's what keeps me coming back. You're getting no arguments from us on that one. <laughs> <laughs> as you, as no. you'll have heard us say many times, we're just a couple of old men who want to be sat in a chair and told a story. Exactly. Don't we all? Imagine being obsessed with UFC and having to do a podcast on it. It just, sound, just sounds completely tedious, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, number four, I've gone for in ring because whilst I enjoy the story, I do, in, I do enjoy, uh, I do enjoy a five star classic. Again, like I said, Japanese wrestling is my go-to. But you typically, you typically get your your longer matches, your your um technical, your very very technical matches or your you know your very yeah, strong style matches in in ring is is almost as important as storyline almost as almost as important because I, I do ultimately want to watch a good match but again it, it, it's not it's not i'm not a, i'm not a purist like a good match for me a good match for me could be like a toriyanu match because i think he's very very good at Wrong. what he does <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I go, I go, I go for in in ring, but I don't necessarily just mean like technical wrestlers. Could, I get what you could... mean. I think to me, any a good match is any match that entertains me. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter the style. It could be, it could be flippy shit. It could be strong style. It could be it could be comedy. It could be a combination of all of those, except Toriyana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's best when it's best when it is a, a combination of all those. The best shows, I think, are like the the smorgasbord of of different styles. You don't want yeah. I don't I don't really want to watch be watching a show that's three hours of exactly the same style over and over. That... We refer back yet again to when me and Rob went to NXT UK and it was just conveyor belt wrestling. Yeah. But the one match that sticks out in my mind from that because it was different was the. Um, was it? It was a street fight or a tables match or something. It was some sort of hardcore match between Tony Storm and was it Tony? No, Kaylee Ray and Piper Niven, I think. I think you're thinking of Fear and Love in there, Dan. <laughs> or was it Tony Storm and Piper Niven? Um, really, really stuck in the memory. I remember yeah, Jimmy well, standing on it. the table. <laughs> well, I remember, I remember there was a women's <laughs> there was a women's <laughs> hardcore match. That's all. That's more than could be said about the rest of it. I know certain people were there. <laughs> It was, oh. If it's NXT UK, it's probably about eight hours long as well, wasn't it? It's four hours uh, taping, over four hours taping. Yeah. They made Mel do a ring entrance twice, didn't she? Didn't they? And then she had to like hide behind the ring while they were like doing the camera angles. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway, yeah. sorry, we digress. I, yeah, I'd find it really weird going to a show that is is primarily a TV taping and it really breaks the breaks the wall down like that. Because even if you go watch Raw or SmackDown, it's not. It's not that stage managed, is it? Where they have to do a, a, a second entrance or, or anything like that. That's, that must be quite weird. It was the, the night before was the first night was better because I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't notice shit like that. <laughs> okay, number three, I went for presentation on number three. I do I do like a bit of a bit of gloss and a bit of sheen to presentation. I think I do prefer wrestling shows that are in that kind of in that kind of it's probably american style isn't it like like a dynamite or like a raw i do like a, a polished kind of structure to a wrestling show and 
and I just think the action comes across better if 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 the presentation is top notch. I think the 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 atmosphere from the crowd comes across better if the if the presentation is top notch. Obviously, this is assuming you're watching it on TV. None of those things really matter if you're watching a live event because you're there. You you've got the atmosphere. You've got you've got the action right in front of you. So I'm I'm thinking purely as a as a TV watching wrestling fan here. Yeah, of course. I think the the, the main thing that matters live is the the sound quality of the entrances of the entrance themes and the and the microphones for promos and the lighting. Yeah. As long as those two things are, are decent, then. Well, we've watched. I've watched wrestling from everywhere, from you know, big big arenas with ten thousand people to the the back room of a vegan cafe with with fifty of us in, <laughs> and enjoyed it just the same. As long as those few things are right, then you're pretty much set for as far as a live show goes. Yeah, I was going to ask you how, how often does the microphone work? Because most of the shows I go to, the microphone seems to not work. Most of them actually. <laughs> I can't think of too many times where the, where the mic's gone. I remember, Rob will remember the 4GW show that we went to in, uh, in Osset where they didn't have a ring bell, or the ring bell broke, so they just had one guy sat in the corner yelling ding, ding. <laughs> when they hit him on the head with a bottle of heavy on. That was it, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just bad luck in, the, in, in Stevenage, where I, where I usually take, it, take it my wrestling. Their mic tends to not work. The, the dodgiest one was always Southside. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I remember um when uh, Cody Rhodes came and uh came and uh, kind of tried to save the Southside show because WWE had pulled all their talent from it, WWE UK talent from it, and he was trying to cut promos all night and the uh, the mic kept cutting out. He's getting he's getting quite furious. That was just the owner's like he's fucking talking again. <laughs> Pressing the button. <laughs> He's going to start crying in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Number two, I went fan response. Um, oh, you, you, you were almost going to uh, exactly match Mags. You just, uh, really? you just avoided it on that last. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. We, we're not morphed into one just yet. Fan response, because, and again, it's a double-edged sword. I think a lot of fan response is quite poisonous these days and quite quite a negative part of part of wrestling but also the lack of a fan response can kill kill a show dead i think you need a good audience i think it really again particularly on tv if no if no if no atmosphere is coming across it just it just feels it just feels bad even if what's going on in the ring is actually really good it's just you're not not getting that. It's like watching a football match. Like watching a football match during COVID. I never. I, I don't think I enjoyed one match during COVID because there was, was just nothing there. It just felt like a just felt like a, a dead space. Yeah, I got to be winning or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the worst thing on I follow was right at the start of the pandemic. Um, if you're playing away, you got the away commentary. So you'd be playing Rotherham and there'd be, you know, just these people like being really biased towards Rotherham. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this. <laughs> I need my husband to feel biased. Yeah. Bias commentary is the best. I know this from obviously being a Wales football fan, watching, watching Welsh football in the tournaments with like Robbie Savage and John Hartson commentating. It's just, uh, it's just something else. I always thought English commentators were biased, but 
the Welsh ones. The Welsh <laughs> ones are next level. Well, they don't get to do it often, do they? No, no, they don't. They got to make the most of it. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so... any, any, any bit's better than listening to Ali McCoist. <laughs> Ali McCoist is quite a fan favourite, isn't he? Not in my house. <laughs> Were you more of a fan of uh, John Parrott on Question of Sport rather than Ali McCoist? <laughs> For the sake of argument, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> so that leaves number one promos. Now, I think if you'd asked me 10 years ago, this would be near the top. But I'm finding less and less enjoyment from from wrestling promos. And I see a lot of like, I don't I don't watch AEW. And I see a lot of um, things. To, oh, you have to check out this promo is amazing. And then I go check it out. And it really wasn't. It was quite boring. It's quite repetitive. It's like almost like promo by numbers. You need to hit these, hit these notes, perfect, and and the fans will lap it up. Obviously, and WWE is the same. And again, I repeat, my favourite's Japanese, and obviously promos don't matter to me there because I haven't got a clue what they're saying. Um, <laughs> just as I didn't when we were watching Wrestler. But so I put promos plum bottom. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. There's there's been a few times in recent months, years when. You've heard people say, oh my God, it's the greatest promo of all time. And it's just like, it's good. It's above average. But, you know, let's not get carried, let's not get too carried away. Yeah. They could have achieved the same thing by just one of them, one of them hitting the other one in the balls and done it in like five seconds. <laughs> just get on with the wrestling. Oh, Paul, to be- Paul, to Paul's holy nutshot advocate. <laughs> Although to be fair, um, last week MGF cut that you know basic fa- face turn promo sort of thing about you know how, how he the hurt and pain that he'd gone through from CM Punk abandoning him and how that had affected him as a person that kind of thing. Uh, and then the next week um, he rounded it off by um, kicking CM Punk in the balls because it was all <laughs> all bullshit. So <laughs> I very much enjoyed that. I think he set them up for the ball kicking rather than just doing it straight away. Uh, oh, that's how they got to that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm still a couple of, I'm still a few weeks behind on Dynamite, shockingly. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping, I'm hoping, oh, it's fine. I see it all online anyway. You can't escape Dynamite spoilers. Um, but thankfully, the Dynamite spoilers drown out the Impact spoilers. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy MJF. There's, there's, you know, there's a few people out there who are very, very good at promoing. I, I think he is one of them. Fortunately for me, Town are doing well this season, so I don't get any wrestling spoilers. It's all just. Uh, you know, pictures of Lewis O'Brien for <laughs> the entire timeline. <laughs> Lewis O'Brien and love hearts. Yeah. Right. Yes, I, I can't really argue with uh, with any of that there, Tolly. It's a uh, it's a good list. It's a good order. You, uh, I, I'm kind of gutted now that you didn't exactly mirror Mags, but uh, maybe. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> you you would have never heard the end of it. No. No. Never at all. So as we've mentioned, we've mentioned what we're drinking. We've mentioned that we're watching uh, Wrestler. So Paul, what would you recommend uh, people out there drink while watching Wrestler? It's got it's got to be the classic Brains SA, isn't it? <laughs> on on tap, obviously. Um, that's a, that's a bitter, isn't it? That is a bitter, yeah, yeah. Brains that, bitter. Yeah, that was that was my that was my tipple in, in my student days in Cardiff. Oh, you poor sod. I had Cardiff as one of my options, and I went down for the um, open day sort of thing. And the hotel I was staying at was near the Brains Brewery, and they were brewing that day, and it just stank. <laughs> that just put me off Cardiff. As a... <laughs> it does stink. It does stink. 
Last, last time I was in Cardiff was for Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker at Millennium Stadium. And it was it was a great day. Anthony Joshua won. The undercard was good. It was it was a good time. But we were staying in a hotel about an hour and a half from the Millennium Stadium. We managed to park up about a 10-minute walk away. It took some silly bastard forgot to open the exit, the other end exit to the car park. So it ended up taking us four hours to get home, or to get back to the hotel. So we, we we got in the car at midnight. We got back at four in the morning. We checked out at 10, drove back up to York, and then uh, I was at a wrestling show that night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's dedication to the cars right there, isn't it? It is. Uh, Mackenzie Mc- drove, so I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> at least you uh, didn't say Cardiff stank. If if two of you said Cardiff stank, that that would have been I would have taken offence. I like Cardiff. It just smelt that day. <laughs> <laughs> For someone so easily put off by odours, you spent far too many far too much time hanging around me. <laughs> I fart a lot. I don't have beer. That's okay. I'm it's not. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure that's better. But it's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like a David Goodwilly. Um... Apology on Sky Sports yesterday. <laughs> Did you see I'm that? Not, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going into that <laughs> podcast. I don't want to talk about that piece of shit. No. Um, so, Rob, what would you recommend people watch res, uh, wrestler with? Yeah, well, I've gone for another Welsh beer. I've gone for Swansea Jack from Thomas Watkins Brewery. It's a four percent pale ale. It's one that I've given three point seven five to one untapped, and, and Beth gave four point seven five to. Wow. Yeah, a high rating from Beth. That's unusual. Was she drunk? Uh, well, she had bought this Welsh box um, that we got that was full of Welsh beer. So I, I don't know if she uh, had an agenda or whatever, but no, she uh, she loved that. Oh, fair enough. Uh, for me, I'm not recommending one beer. I'm recommending a full range, but I'm going back to Wales. Uh, and it's the Tiny Rebel Stay Puffed range of, uh, of marshmallow stouts. Just any variation you can get your hands on. If it's the regular, if it's the imperial, if it's... The if it's the chocolate one, if it's the one with bacon and maple syrup, just any of them, the bloody gorgeous. Yeah, and if if you buy in the box set, get the one with the free glass rather than paying exactly the same amount and getting the one without as Dan did. Did I do that? Yeah, you did. Me and Sam got the free glass, and you didn't. Uh, <laughs> it cost <yeah>. the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get this box. It sounds lovely. Well, be smarter yeah, than me. <laughs> And does uh, does Beth have a beer for us? Indeed, she does. And Beth's beer of the week is Outbound by Gypsy King Brewery. So that was Beth's beer of the week, Outbound by Gypsy Hill Brewing Co. It's a black IPA. Uh, it's one that she gave two point five to. So back to form on the uh, on the ratings there. Um, well, that's, given... <laughs> that's high for a recommended beer. <laughs> it, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've given it three point five, and and you've given it three, Dan. Fine. Don't remember drinking it, but I must have liked it. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got to say, though, this uh, this quadruple, this clutter is is going down far too easily for 11.5%. So I apologise for what's incoming. <laughs> <laughs> so as we've said multiple times, we are, we're looking at Wrestler today. I've got a little bit of background on uh, on Wrestler. It's, uh, it's run by Orig Williams, and it was broadcast on, uh, on S4C, which is essentially Wales's answer to channel four 
It ran between 1982 and 1995, and then it had a short run repeated on uh, S4C Digital, which I'm assuming is uh, means digital and isn't some form of Digimon, uh, Digimon action figure, between 2002 and 2003. Uh, so wrestler featured matches from Oreg Williams's uh, British Wrestling uh, British Wrestling Federation, as well as uh, Windy City Wrestling from the USA, and also a handful of matches from Germany sprinkled throughout. Wrestler was actually pioneering bringing through uh, through gimmick matches, cage matches, chain matches, and a few other bits to uh, to Welsh television, uh, and was a big part of bringing back uh, women's wrestling uh, in the eighties. Women's wrestling was uh, banned largely throughout uh, throughout Britain. Uh, the rest of Britain, I should say, with the, with Wales being the only country allowed to uh, allowed to show the matches. Uh, so, wrestler helped uh, women's wrestling get back on the map, and uh, and ultimately led to it being unbanned in the rest of the country. Uh, the rest of the country. A little bit on Oric Williams. Um, he's massively influential. Um, he's wrestled everywhere from Britain to the USA to India to Pakistan to Southeast Asia. At one point, he was the the most in demand wrestler in the world. Uh, he was an advocate of a more sort of hard-hitting, realistic style and a big believer in preserving the Welsh language. He spoke it whenever he could and also insisted that wrestler be broadcast 100% in Welsh. So as we go through, me and Rob will not have an idea of what's been said and we couldn't tell you if the, uh, the commentary is good or bad. Paul, how did you find it? Do you speak any Welsh or...? Not a jot. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, in, I was in the same boat. <laughs> oh, well, that's good then, so... We, we we ask that we ask that you find our ignorance charming to uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, from crime and sports. <laughs> <laughs> I could do numbers, so I, I when they when the wrestlers were on the outside of the ring, I was able to keep track of where they were. But that's about it. You know, funnily enough, I, I, I didn't struggle with the counting. I, I got the gist of that when <laughs> <laughs> when it was all going on. But in terms of Oreg Williams, it, it, before he was a wrestler, he was a professional footballer. I don't know if you'd seen that. No, I, I didn't know. I, yeah. I, I just did a bit on, yeah, on Williams' wrestling career. Yeah, he, he played for Bangor City, he played for Shrewsbury, he played for Oldham, and he played for Fluelli. Uh, and he went on to manage Nent Vale in the Welsh League. And um, when he took them over, they got a reputation for being extremely dirty, sort of like the Wimbledon of the Welsh League. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I'm glad I didn't read up on that because that was brilliant. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the episode we're going to be covering today aired on the 13th of June 1987. And it's actually the only full episode that I was going to say we could find, but that Rob could find. <laughs> so I was, was going to say that there's a lot of matches on YouTube, but they don't actually say when it was aired. So yeah. um, there is a list of the filming schedule, basically. So you can find out the ones that were filmed together. So you could watch a whole show as people watched it in the auditorium. But yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they could have mixed and matched for all we know in terms of how they aired them. So Yeah. And well, if they're the splicing in other federations uh, matches as well, then it'd be, be really difficult to, uh, to know what went with what. But uh, we found this, it's only short, it's uh, just over half an hour. So we're doing things a, a little bit differently this week, uh, since it's a, both the first and last episode we can find. Uh, we're going to have a quick look at that, and then we've each picked one match each, and we're going to look into uh, look into those. So I thought we'd do something special for, uh, for Tolly's first time on, as a welcome back. 
I, lo- I love it. I, 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 I've never even heard of wrestling. And I think it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we'll get into it. But just you inviting me on and in- introducing me to wrestler is fantastic. Yeah, I actually want to go back and, and look at more of these matches. Cause me too. Uh, yeah. It's like there's giant haystacks in there and a few names that I've sort of heard in passing and but never like never seen wrestle it, it, in the in the DMs as well. It was great when uh, when Paul was watching this. Uh, the next recommended video was The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, I I got I've got to be honest. I was fully expecting this to be total shit, and I thought <laughs> I, I'm 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 going to have to ironically like this because I'm Welsh now, aren't I? And no, it was <laughs> it's excellent. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. So I guess we'll get into it. Um, we're opening up, and uh, I'm assuming the uh, there's a, well, a voiceover. I've actually got the card for this uh, recording. If you want to go through, yeah, that. go through. Yeah. It, yeah, we don't know the exact date. It was filmed in Carnarvon in some point in uh, 1987. Uh, obviously, um, the matches on the card that we're covering today are Rollerball Rocco versus Fuji Yamada, who's known elsewhere as Juice and Liger. And yeah. yeah, and then we've got. Tim Cumry, which is uh, Team Wales with Orig Williams, Boston Blackie and Kong Fu versus um, Bearcat Brody, Mighty Chang and El Diablo. Uh, but on the same card, there was Dave Taylor versus Robbie Brookside. Wow, which, that'd uh, been a hell of a match. Yeah. Johnny Saint versus John Kenny, which I've actually watched, which was a, a decent match uh, in, and of, in and of itself. There was Mike Jordan versus Garant um, Cluid, who we will come on to later and john cortez versus um keith howard so yeah a few names that we've heard of few that we might not be so uh, so familiar with but yeah yeah not bad at all that's that'd be a good afternoon good card yeah no wonder yeah. the crowd was so hyped yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to how hyped they are later in the main event because wow <laughs> <laughs> that, that was hulk hogan levels or, yeah, not a spoiler alert. Orig Williams got a lot out of that crowd without doing very much. He was, <laughs> he was over. Well, was it him that was over, or was it his Mick McManus-esque Lego Man haircut that was over? I think it was the moustache. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was backstage. He just clicked that hair into place. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I nearly did it. Then I promised myself I wouldn't do a, a I wouldn't do Nessa out of Gavin and Stacey impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard not to resort to stereotypes with the Welsh in it. There's <laughs> plenty of stereotypes in these shows, anyway. Right. So, start of the show. We get a voiceover in Welsh, I presume, giving the matches that are going on because I recognise the names. And there were uh, there were clips playing uh, inside. It was essentially like a stylized wrestling ring logo, but with you know from with in like a diamond shape. And then we get the wrestler splashed over a yellow canvas. Um, and music that I thought initially was quite cheesy, but I got to quite like. I really liked it. I, I it, loved the music. It was an absolute earworm. I've had this music, that's been tuned in my uh, head all week. Yeah. <laughs> so if, it was if quite proggy. Ever, if anybody ever sees Rob just sat there swaying backwards and forwards, saying, Orig Williams, Orig Williams, Orig Williams. <laughs> I really liked this open. I, I thought for 1987, it, it was a lot, you know, because we reviewed that episode of WWF Superstars, which I think was from 87 or maybe 86. And, and I thought it was better yeah. graphics than that. Yeah, yeah I'd go with that. It was, it was definitely good for its time. Um, even just having the, 
you know the highlights showing in the um, inside the logo and having the still background. It was yeah. um, it felt ahead of its time. <laughs> Did you notice in the uh, in the background of that? By the way, there was uh, I think it was Oreg Williams in the ring, a crowd upon the balcony, and then Welsh flag at the top. But they just mirrored the image down the middle, so it looked like two flags along yeah. the balcony and Oreg Williams facing himself. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's a dream match, isn't it? <laughs> well, judging by the judging by the fans later, yeah, they'd love to see Oreg Williams versus Oreg Williams. <laughs> they they couldn't handle Oreg Williams versus Oreg Williams. Uh, it's like those early Fire Pro games where there's not many characters on them, and it just randomizes, and you end up being Stan Hansen in red pants versus Stan Hansen in blue pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, I need to play more Fire Pro. I bought it and barely played it. Anyway, um, is there is there a Reslo download pack? Do you know? If there isn't, we well, I think it. we need. To, yeah, well, we should get onto them and say it needs to be uh, needs to be released. I'll oh, come on amazing. that onto that in the shout outs, but I have been um, ironing people about Reslo, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we get the presenter at ringside. I'm assuming there uh, is welcome that he's welcoming us to the show. It uh, looks a good house in the background. I have no idea what he's saying, but I'm assuming he's uh, introducing us to the uh, the next match and then also what's coming up in the main event because I recognised him say Fuji Yamada versus Rollerball Rocco. <laughs> he's a good-looking chap, the presenter. We saw him several times, so are we having a wrestler presenter? It was Bryn Fon was his name. Uh, yeah. Are we having a Bryn Fon drinking contest? Not while I'm on, ele- on an 11.5 percenter, but hang on, let me open up the session beer. <laughs> right, I'm ready. <laughs> Bring fun satellite game is go. Yeah, the satellite-based drinking games. I blame Chris Bellis personally. Yeah, it's all his fault. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> um, so anyway, we see uh, we see Baby Liger, uh, Fuji Yamada. Walking through the back, the uh, the wrestler theme music's playing over both. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was like a, a new uh, NJPW World type? They didn't have the rights to music, or did they actually enter to wrestlers theme tune? I think but it's a post production thing. They used to do that in World of Sport, though, didn't they? They'd just play the theme to World of Sport, and then they'd come out. Unless it was like Big Daddy or you know one, one of the absolute stars that all come out of the generic theme music. This felt like it was put over in the edit. I think so. You think Liger came down to Sid's WCW dub originally? No, I just I don't think there was anything. <laughs> I don't think there was any music. I think we hear the I think the the crowd reaction is genuine noise, and then they've just stuck the wrestler music over the top of it. Definitely, definitely sounded um, dubbed over, patched over. Yeah. Yeah, but you get um, Liger looked. Uh, sorry, Yamada came, comes out to. A decent pop, but there's real there's real audible booze for Rollerball Rocco, um, who's yeah. obviously one of the greats. But <laughs> Rocco's trying to piss about, but Liger's got a kendo stick, so he's uh, he decides not to go for it. Did, did you the, see that um, Rocco had the World Middle Heavyweight Championship that he'd uh, jumped ship from Giant Promotions with a few years previously? I wondered what that belt was. Yeah, so it had been the main championship in joint promotions, but then Orig Williams has actually pers- um, persuaded him to jump over to All Stars, and he took the title with him. So then yeah, he became big, the saying, main title in All Stars. I remember you saying about that. Yeah, I, just, I didn't realise that was a belt. 
Well, it's better than Clive Myers' uh, Jamaican Championship that he bought off eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before eBay was even a thing. <laughs> See, I, I got the wrong end of the stick here as well because I, I, I could like pick up numbers and stuff like that. So I initially thought the announcer told us it was a it was a rounds match, but it blatantly wasn't. <laughs> no. I, I don't know what kind of match it was. Um, I, I I I can't hold my hands up as well. I didn't I didn't even know that was Tushin Funda Liger until until he did a show tay. I, yeah. I know that I know that move. Then I googled it, <laughs> and that's how I found out it was Tushin Funda Liger. Oh well, it's it's Fuji Yamada's um, is it second appearance on this show on our show. Well, he was on the on the first episode of Nitro as well, so it's uh, yeah. three three beating. Yeah, yeah, and I believe the refer the referee was announced as Brian Dixon. It was Brian Dixon. Yeah, head, yeah. I, I, I went looking, and I'm ninety percent sure that that was the Brian Dixon who uh, ran All Star. Yeah, he was younger than I expected. I've, I've yeah. always, perhaps because I've seen Brian Dixon now, I've always assumed he's an old man. <laughs> you think he's got Greg the Hammer Valentine syndrome and he was born that age? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's lots of people like that. Mean Gene Oakland, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. But um, the first thing that grabbed me about this match, because normally I like to try and get as many of the, you know, holds and moves in a, written down as I can so I can pick out the pick out the best bits. But it was now and impossible in this match because it was so bloody quick. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. this would not have looked out of place today. It was another one, another. I thought this is, yeah, this is the second time we've seen Rocco Rollerball Rocco wrestle this style match, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they were both on the uh, first episode of All Stars Wrestling that we reviewed. Yeah. And well, I mean, they'd had a rivalry for about a year at this point in All Stars and uh, on the camps and whatever in uh, on ITV here on S4C, you know, all over the place. But, yeah, absolutely on fire. And as you say, if, if this was on Dynamite today, not only would it fit in, it would be the best match of the night. Easily. Yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, just got really ahead of its time. I'm just looking how there's... I've highlighted so much that it's made it pointless. There was, um, there was just a bit where it started off, I was impressed when uh, Yamada floated over, hit a dropkick and then a slingshot. Uh, plancher and I thought oh that yes. was really good that's that's more than I expect from from this period even though I've seen Yamada work in this time period before and then, uh, then Yamada goes and gets himself a public warning by uh, by crotching Rocco on the ring post <laughs> I don't know if it was a public warning he certainly got a telling off but <laughs> yes no he did Rocco got a public warning as well because um, he, he took um, Yamada's uh, legs either side of the post outside the ring Yes. And he got a public warning for it. Yeah, he did. He did. There was. I've got a few more bits I want to get into, but uh, Paul, was there anything particular that, uh, that grabbed you about the match? Yeah, there was a, a few few great spots in it as well. I, I, I completely agree with you. It's great. Um, the pace of the match was was fantastic. And like I said at the beginning, I was expected fully expecting this show to be a bit rubbish. But as soon as we got into the action, that that was blown away. Literally blown away. Um, we, were, we were expecting like Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, Belly Bouncy. Yeah, but but Welsh people doing it. <laughs> so like like an ounce of the talent of uh, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. If if we do do uh, more wrestler episodes, 
I have found that there are some sort of mid nineties big daddy matches in wrestler, so uh, mm. I can only imagine how slow they'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Is he against Fuji Yamada? No, I think he'd um, <laughs> uh, gone to Japan at that point. <laughs> they'll be glacial. Mm. There was one. Uh, I I don't know if this move's got a name, but Rollable Rollable Rocco did like a Mishinuku driver slash tombstone. Yes, which looked incredible. Yeah, he did. I've got that written somewhere. But yeah, I picked up on that. It looked amazing, and then it's again ahead of its time. Yamada's kicking out at two. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it normally would. And, and wrestler, as well as being very you know gimmicky with all the gimmick matches and stuff, it, it is a little bit the land that's selling forgot in mm. pretty much every match that we're going to review. But if the crowd takes you along with it and they were genuinely invested at a really high level, they were on fire, this crowd. Oh, yeah. I'm happy, I'm happy enough with that. When they do it and there's no reaction, then it's pointless. But here, you know, that it was it was amazing because you're taken on this emotional roller coaster by the by the audience as well as the wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's a bit like when um uh, Hiromu Takahashi faced El Desperado uh, um, at Wrestle Kingdom. That match was a mile a minute, but everybody was so invested in it. It didn't matter who it, you know. You don't want to get. You don't want to bother with. Oh well, he didn't sell that quite right. Or he didn't sell that long enough. You just think, oh shit! Well, whoa, what the hell? Who's going to win? Jesus, come on! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just keeps you going. It does, and the the crowd were fat- the crowd were fantastic. I mean. I I I didn't think. Well, I I never thought wrestling was that big in Wales or or that popular in Wales. To, and I would I would love to have uh, grown up a little bit earlier to uh, to have been able to to sample that because yeah, it was electric for for the whole show and the, and the and the other matches we picked to watch as well. I feel yeah. ripped off because I, I went to um, you know one of the tribute shows in the mid nineties in Clan Dunno and it had Shadow from Gladiators and stuff and. It wasn't a patch on this. <laughs> oh, God. You said about the tribute shows. I'm pretty sure I went to one of them in the early 2000s, and it was truly, truly terrible. Kane, the guy playing Kane was about five foot nine and weighed about, weighed about, <laughs> weighed about 10 stone, wet through. It was so bad. I'll put it this way the guy was supposed to be Jim Ross. Who was at the literally sat next to the ring announcing was bigger than Kane. <laughs> was it Ed Ferrara? <laughs> it could have been. Actually, no. I, I don't remember wanting. I don't remember wanting to kick him in the ball, so it can't have been Ed Ferrara. But um, yeah, I've just in fact I've just found in my notes, Paul, what you said about that that um, sort of Michinoku driver tombstone thing. It had a touch of like the Gotch pile driver to it as well. So God knows what it was. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall ever seeing it before. Is that yeah. the one where Yamada goes for the high cross body and Rocco sort of catches him and turns it into the Gotch style pile driver yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. It was, I was, I was, it was great to see a superplex as well. Yeah. Like, both right from the top. And then uh, I think it was uh, Rocco. Was it Rocco missed a, like a running flipping sent on? But if Yamada had been. A fraction of a second late, the, one of Rocco's heels would have bust his nose or caved well, his face. We got a replay of the superplex, and this is two years before the AWA claimed they invented it. 
I mean, it's a, a year after a year after we saw a year after we saw Glow have one, so they didn't. But um, even yeah. so, you know, for, for Welsh TV, when you know the, the big American companies aren't doing it, I think is a good thing. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Well, Welsh Welsh TV brought a super TED, so don't don't uh, don't underestimate <laughs> it. Super TED and replays in wrestling. <laughs> what can you want? I mean, the, the, they re- not only did they replay it. It's um, Fireman Sam Welsh as well. Fireman Sam that came from S S4C, I think. Not only did they replay it, they closed the show with it after the credits as well. I don't know if you noticed. They did, threw yeah, in yeah. An, a bonus replay of that superplex. It was a good superplex. It was great, and the way they hit the they bounced off the mat as well. It just it looked beautiful. Yeah. And then you had Yamada like springing off the second rope for a crossbody. There was like Yamada hit like a cartwheel back elbow, then hit a pile driver, then hit a diving crossbody off the top, and it was still a two count. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it it, it didn't care because the crowd was so invested. And I was, like Rob said, taken along for the ride. I just wanted to see who won. Um, I almost didn't matter how it happened. But the finish nowadays would probably get booed. But I really liked it. The thing about this finish, though, it had all the potential of being extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um, the no pads outside the ring, you know, the, when they sort of do the suplex and sort of they both go over the top rope with it, you know, in and, and sort of a cartwheel fashion with it. I mean, we saw on that episode of Raw where sort of Kane messed up that suplex against the ropes and he nearly broke someone's neck. You know, it it's, yeah. could, could have easily been that sort of situation. But, yeah, it was... Pulled off perfectly. It was here yeah, a rocker um, vertical suplexes Yamada out from the ring to the floor, and it goes to a double count out. But if that's you know if, if you're building you know building the feud that's been going on for a year, what greater way even and for people who've just tuned in as well like us, what greater way to get leave people wanting more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's what then, I got from it. I'd love to. I'd love to see a few more matches from them. I don't know. Are, are there any? Any more matches between these two dotted around you two? Uh, they had, they definitely had matches in World of Sport. Um, so on ITV, re- well, it was ITV wrestling by that point. But yeah, they, there's uh, those on YouTube. We could do that at some point. Yeah, I'll have to check them out. The, the Fuji Yamada Rollerball Rocco rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, Rocco doesn't um, continue wrestling much longer than this, does he? He's um, not no, long uh, up to retirement, you know, so... Which is amazing because yeah. he can blatantly still go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my, so my last note on the uh, on the match was just verbatim. That was fucking mental. So fast and frenetic and ahead of its time. That was some AEW slash indie like prime indie fodder. And I don't mean yeah. that as an insult. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was brilliant. Definitely, really was. I ha- I had Liger is Liger was incredible. Imagine seeing that in real community center. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but it wasn't real. It was Carnarvon. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it referenced real on the canvas, though. I thought it said real on the canvas, but maybe that's where uh, the company was based, perhaps. Well, All Stars is based in um, at real, isn't it? That's where their head office is. So, and and as Dixon was refereeing, and as both guys worked in All Stars, maybe there was uh, <laughs> some kind of payoff. Yeah, of, of course, of course. I obviously knew that, that All Star was 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 based in real. Um, that that is that is the forefront of my uh, my knowledge. Wing Commander Nash told you when he, when we saw the uh, training centre on the UWA. Like I'm ever going to remember anything that we that us and Nash talk about, 
more shit hammered than usual by the end of those recordings. Fucking Captain Tangent. <laughs> I'm just joking, Nash. We love you, and I like getting drunk with you. Um, so the next matchup is uh, the tag match, as we mentioned. It's El Bandito, El Bandito, Orig Williams versus Kung Fu, uh, and Kung Fu and Boston Blackie versus Mighty Chang, Bearcat Brody. And Rob, I think you called him, was it El Diablo or something like that? I had it down as the Masked Marauder. It's um, El Diablo on a couple of sites that I've looked at, which was Tony Francis with a mask on, who is, unlike William Regal, a Blackpool wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have, to, I didn't have a lot of time to, uh, to look into any of these guys, which is uh, unlike me. Um, well, some of them there's not too much on. So Bearcat Brody, I, I couldn't find. He only had two matches in Wrestlo. He doesn't doesn't have a cage match profile, so can't really get much of him. He was a bit of a one man gang rip off. Yeah, yeah. Mighty Chang. There had been an extremely famous uh, wrestler called Mighty Chang in the fifties who'd been in a load of films and stuff. He was Indian, but he grew up in Glasgow. And um, this is obviously who this Mighty Chang sort of bases his gimmick around. This guy was also wrestled as um, Chris Mason, and um, he tagged with a couple of prominent people. There was Mal King Kong Kirk, who was the one that died in the ring against Big mm. Daddy. Yeah. And um, Iron Duke Lynch, who we covered on yes. UWA. Oh, fair enough. I did actually find a, a lengthy article on uh, on Kung Fu. Now, it, it, it was a weird thing with Kung Fu, because I, I just did what, what you do to start off with, typed Kung Fu wrestler into uh, into Google, and it came up with this Mexican luchador. This was before I knew who was who in the ring. So I saw the masked guy, and I was like, is that Kung Fu? I don't know. And it came, you know, giving this, uh, this luchador with a... With a really great early history in Lucha de Apuestas matches and and all this, I'm thinking this can't be the same guy. It's not. As I'm, no, it's not. As I'm, <laughs> as, I, as, as, I'm as I'm reading, I scan through the article three times trying to find mention of an excursion to Britain. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst thing is, I, I accidentally closed the window on the article, so I don't even have it to hand to read to read about who he was. But I know I can remember he was from Northern Ireland and. Uh, yeah. He um he taught he, he like him and his mates and his brothers had they got like a book on teach yourself kung fu from the library when they were kids. <laughs> he wrestled as um, judo Ed Hamill as well. So That's, I wondered yeah. if well I wondered if there was any relation to Lord Alfred Hayes who wrestled as judo Al Hayes in, in World of Sport. But also um you might remember from the ECW episode Toke Horton who um was a um, judoka that had fought um, Sal Balermo on that. Yes. Um, you know, the the tribute to Britain entering the common market show that World of Sport did. <laughs> but, and he was a judoka from Belfast, but I, I can't find any link between the two. But Kung Fu, I had a series of mask versus mask matches against prominent masked wrestlers like Count Batelli and Kendo Nagasaki, but he'd all, always lose his mask. Uh, he actually ended up getting unmasked on TV by Mick McManus. Right, okay. You know, there's the three of the kind of biggest names of the 70s there that he's facing, you know, mm. in televised matches or whatever. So, uh, and then he went on, um, he, he was wrestling in Stampede in the early 80s. So quite a pedigree. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And, and you could kind of tell that with um, with Kung Fu because Kung Fu and uh, and Mass Marauder start the match. And you can just tell sort of the way Kung Fu wrestles and, you know, when he's, he puts the sort of Kung Fu moves in and particularly the kids in the audience are just eating it up. And he's kind of he's kind of a ground up 
babyface really. But you add in sort of the you know the extra kick aspects, you can you can tell this kid or this guy's got some uh, like I said got some real pedigree behind him. Yeah. I couldn't find much out about Boston Blackie himself, but I know the character's based on a um, fictional character with with the same name who was uh, a jewel thief and safe cracker who had films and radio and TV shows between um, the 1910s and the 1950s and even a graphic novel in uh, 2002. And this was the second incarnation of a wrestler that had worked the uh, Boston Blackie gimmick in Wales. So I think there'd been one in like the 60s and then this one had come along. So the Welsh audiences would have been... um, you know, sort of all fair with the character sort of thing. I knew, I knew I'd heard the name somewhere, whether it's through wrestling circles or sort of the wider media that you just pointed out, but I, I just couldn't for the life of me thinking, as I say, sadly didn't have the time. No, I was yeah. just saying that the name rang a bell for some reason, but I couldn't come put my finger on one. Yeah. We've um, we've got to talk about the entrances though before we get into more of the interaction. <laughs> we, we, come, we, we come back from the break and... The heel team are already in the ring, so they've been given the jobber entrance. Then uh, Orig Williams, Kung Fu and Boston Black here out to an absolute hero's welcome. And they've, well, got, they've got the Welsh flag in tow. They're playing Land of My Fathers as well, aren't they? Uh, yeah. uh, that they come out to. Welsh National I, Anthem. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> so, so, the SOC obviously had the rights to the, uh, the Welsh National Anthem, as you'd expect. <laughs> so they didn't have to overdub that one. Uh, just, I, I so nearly went for the low hanging fruit and said, "Well, nobody else wanted it." I get the feeling that um, if you were an avid wrestler watcher, Team Cymru might have been a bit rammed down your throat, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was they had the Welsh flag in tow, but is it um, is it like national dress? Uh, Oreg Williams's uh, green j- jacket with the uh, the dragon emblazoned on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> National dress for a bingo caller. <laughs> I, I thought this was absolutely fantastic. I mean, how, how often have we seen Hulk Hogan, you know, playing the real American thing and whatever, and you know, sat there and sort of rolled our eyes? It, it was absolutely refreshing to see, you know, a crowd that was so so engaged with, you know, being proud of being Welsh and the dragons yeah. flying and everything. It, it, it was it was amazing, and the, the crowd again as they were all night were on fire they were and i've got to say the thing is the one thing that sort of distracted me from how um how on fire the crowd were and sort of the anticipation of the match was realizing that bearcat Brody looks a bit like big grizz the, the current wrestler big grizz if big grizz was played by paul mcshane from heidi high <laughs> 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 now there's a comparison I never thought I'd make, but I just get I just get looking at him thinking he just he looks like the he looks like Paul McShane out of Heidi High. <laughs> I was waiting for Sue Pollard to turn up as his valet. <laughs> well, she she is Welsh, so yeah, she'd have fit in. Yeah, she would. <laughs> um, but it's not Sue Pollard that's Welsh; it's the other one in Heidi High that's Welsh, isn't it? Oh, um, um, the, uh, Ruth Ruth Maddock. Ruth Maddock, yeah. Yes, yeah. That's it. So just, so just, it just occurred to me where I last saw Sue Pollard. Um, we were <laughs> looking after my nieces recently and she, Sue Pollard just randomly turned up in an episode of Andy and the Band, which is this kid's TV show that's on there. 
pointless, <laughs> pointless thing to say, but whatever. As far as this match goes, the first thing that really caught my attention was when the Mighty Chang came in and he downs Kung Fu with a punch. And then he seemed to throw Kung Fu across the ring by Kung Fu's belly button. <laughs> Did you guys see that? It looked like he hooked his finger in Kung Fu's belly button and just launched him. <laughs> there, there was a lot of potential playing with body parts from Mighty Chang in this match. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, if you tried to throw Mighty Chang by his belly button, you could go up to the elbow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm one to talk, but... He, he was a he was a rotund fella in the midsection. Sure was. <laughs> I was I was kind of just I was, I think I was a little bit engrossed in this. Cause I, I don't have too much sort of notable spots written down, but I know I really enjoyed the match. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it. Yeah, I'm I'm, exa- I'm exactly the same. I I haven't I haven't made many notes on what what happened, but I I was engrossed in it, and I was after that entrance, I was I was fully behind Team Cymru. Because you weren't going to be anyway. <laughs> no, but if someone if someone told me that was there was going to be a team Camry, they come out the Welsh national anthem, I probably would have rolled my eyes. But actually, seeing what happened and how how they came out, you could you couldn't you could not be on their side. Yeah, it actually was fantastic. The first fall comes when uh, Mighty Chang does the surfboard on um, yeah. Kung Fu, who submits from it. So we've seen someone submit from a surfboard. So. You know, that, that's happened. But I loved the um, mid-fall break because, firstly, Kung Fu was drinking out of a water bottle and it's got the old, like, black base that they used to have on bottles when they didn't have, like, the bobbly bottles and bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> like, a bit of a random separate bit. And as a kid, I was always like, why have they got this on there? But, yeah, that, that's just a very 80s thing. But then S4C made a, a very brave decision of doing a... Uh, point of view of the spit bucket when the spit was uh <laughs> so why, I, why I missed that well why would you make that directing decision <laughs> that's that's not the worst directing decision we've seen on this show the worst one is uh in the yokozuna matches where they decided to give us uh give us gooch cam and put the camera between yoko's legs yeah <laughs> it, it was an odd choice um, they, they they were trying things though with um with with the direction of there was there were some interesting mm. camera shots throughout the show and through again in the in the other matches we were watching it wasn't uh it, it wasn't it wasn't like hard cam or like traditional um camera they did they did try things it, it, it wasn't it was it wasn't um it wasn't the modern indie style of somebody walking around the ring with a phone at ringside <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it was they've really. They really put an effort into this show. You can yeah. you can tell, like you said, with the oh, entrance, yeah. with with the opening at the beginning. Um, I've got to be honest though, I didn't realise this was going to be a multiple falls match. No, neither did I. So, <laughs> I was sat there at the end of it because they'd spent a lot of time like teasing Orig Williams for a hot tag. You you have missed something serious before this. So just after the start of the second fall, Chang's sort of doing a bear hug on uh, Kung Fu but it's a belly-to-back bear hug. And Chang's fiddling around with something in his groin area while he's doing it. I was, I was going to come to that. I was, just, I, was, I was talking about in the first, I was talking about in the first fall. But I was, just, I was so confused. And this is where, obviously, the language barrier kicks in. I was, my, my notes were bitten at, wait, is it a rounds match or multiple falls? What the hell is that? <laughs> we, didn't even, we didn't even get the hot tag. But then, yeah, Rob, you're right. There was, um, 
yeah, Chang was uh, was messing about something around his uh, around his waistline. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe he was using his belt buckle to dig into his back, but uh, right. that didn't. Yeah, it's not Chang... what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was basically Chang had these like like metal circles on the front of his gear. And it turned out a couple of them were able to like bend outwards to essentially try and stab um, to try and stab Kung Fu in the spine. <laughs> Which uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely unique. And we do eventually get the hot tag to uh, to Oreg Williams. And the uh, the first thing Williams does is grab grab Mighty Chang by his beard and, and sling him around a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd again go wild for the hot tag. Like the fans are literally jumping about in the front row. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was awesome to see. But yeah, so Ori comes in, he does the thing with Chan, and then uh, and then Bearcats onto him. He throws Marauder out of the ring, and the sort of having you know clearing house, and there's a huge another huge pop from the crowd. He grabs Chang's beard again. <laughs> He's got an obsession with Chang's beard, and then uh, Mar- uh, Marauder gets in. And it all just sort of goes downhill, and Orig tags out to Boston Blackie, and that's that's sort of it over. Did you see how knackered Orig Williams was though? He was like there on the apron having a drink. He'd only been in for like two minutes. He had he had the uh, he had the Shane he had the Shane O'Mac level sweat going on. <laughs> in fairness, he was in in nineteen eighty seven. He was fifty six, wow. and he, he still looked in pretty good shape to be honest. Yeah, he, he did look fifty six. Yeah. If you're that big of a draw and you're that over, it doesn't really matter, you know, what you do in the match. I still love watching Sting at the minute. Yeah. You know, on AEW. I think it's great. And, you know, people say, oh, well, he's not doing much, is he? He's like, yeah, but listen to the reactions he's getting. It says a lot that people would rather see Sting, Sting do a couple of minutes of, of brawling, a Stinger splash and a Scorpion death drop than 90% of your roster. It saddens me to say that Sting in AEW isn't Orig Williams in Carnarvon. I oh, know Orig, Orig Williams is far more over in Carnarvon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything's Orig Williams in Carnarvon. <laughs> but you, yeah. you, you're right though. It's like when when, um, when Hogan came back to WWE in uh, when, when when was it like 2002 and 2004 and 2007 and 2000. Yeah, you could only really do the year thing and a and a leg drop, but that's all he needed to do and. It was good enough to get him a, a an undisputed title run and a tag title run with Edge and the whole exactly. Mr. America angle and all the rest of it. So and at, yeah. and at that point, the crowd loved it. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting to this, uh, getting close to the second fall. Boston Blackie went on uh, went on a bit of a uh, went a bit slap happy and <laughs> bashed a couple of the uh, couple of the heels and head, then hit this um, this weird sort of spinning cross body for the pin. Yeah. Not quite sure what that was. He, he seemed to try and go for the crossbody. Whoever was catching him just sort of spun around in a circle and like did a, a turn and a half and then just fell down. Just kind of like a fall, wasn't it? I just thought El, El Diablo was going for sort of an end of days, but then sort of, you know, fell with Boston Blackie on top of him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was it was an odd one anyway, but either way, it's one all and everybody's hyped up for the faces to try and get the win. How much the team Cymru celebrate that fall? It's like it's like Everton scoring against Boreham Wood. <laughs> and, 
And it was funny because it was clearly sort of, you know, a fuck up of that pin, but then they replayed that. So yeah. <laughs> We paid for two replays, we're gonna use them. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's better replaying that than the third fall, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Boston Black is trying to get uh, Marauder's mask off, but he's jumped by the heels. Bearcat hits a snapmare and drops the leg. Oreg Williams tags in, he's just hitting people left, right, and centre. And then Oreg Williams gets the third and final fall for the Team Cymru win off a backdrop. Now, I know, yeah. in, I, know, I know in times gone by, certain moves were finishers that aren't now. And, you know, back in, way back in the day, the Irish whip used to be a finisher. But, yeah, backdrop in 1987 is, isn't quite at that level. It would maybe if Oreg Williams was, like, six foot ten. Yeah. The, crowd, the crowd loved it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is it a backdrop to quite a big guy, wasn't it? Mm. So I've maybe, maybe that played a part, and it got the it got the Yano assist because the turnbuckle kept coming off. <laughs> An unintentional Yano assist. I was about to go along with you there and say, I suppose the bigger they are, the harder the fall. But you compared it to Yano, so bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely get some Yano stuff later on in the other matches. Yeah, <laughs> you do. But yeah, the crowd go absolutely wild, and you've got kids in the ring celebrating as uh, as it all goes off air in the credits roll. But did you guys have any? Uh, did you have any further thoughts on the match, Paul? No, I only to say I loved it. I think I was engrossed. Oh, Rob's got something. I think. Well, you have missed something there, Dan, because Bryn Fon came back back at the end. So drink, <laughs> oh, drink, <laughs> drink. Rob's been waiting to see off his uh, to see off his pint with that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if we're going to give a uh, a quick rating on uh, on this, and then we'll move on to the um, move on to the other stuff. Is that is that right, Rob? Do you want to go that way? We'll give a quick rating on uh, on the on the main episode, but we'll do the awards. Yeah, at the end. we can do. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what do you rate it out of ten, Tommy? I would give I'd give this a solid nine. Wow. Yeah. And and what if you weren't Welsh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have. I should have. Uh, I should have. I should have given given the Welsh score. Should I? I, I give it a solid now. Is what I'd give it. Yeah, we want you written now. <laughs> I, that way, I, well, I, I go for low hanging fruit quite a lot, but Jesus <laughs> wept. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Just on the now thing, I used to work with a South African lass, and um, you'd say, "Can you do something now?" And you know, the next day it wouldn't have been done. And you're like, why haven't you done it? And uh, she said, oh, you said you wanted it now. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah. So, so why didn't you do it? And she said, oh, you wanted it now, now. <laughs> <laughs> like now in South Africa's now, now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so what would you rate out of 10, Rob? I would give it a solid eight out of 10. The wrestling was great. I mean, you know, sort of maybe a bit gimmicky on the last match, but sort of melts a tight match for the first match. Crowd was on fire all night. I can't really justify going any higher than that because we've not really got any storylines in and of themselves. I mean, we know that Yamada and Rocco have got a rivalry going on, but that's Marcus. We've done homework and watched wrestling from this era mm, um, for yeah. other shows that we've done. You know, so... For me, it'd be very difficult to give a higher rating than that for something that I, I don't understand the language of because you know you, there's that yeah. sort of gap to investing in it that little bit further. But really, really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm of a similar mindset. It, it's it, the biggest compliment I can give it is that it's a nice, easy to watch half hour of family friendly wrestling. Yamada Rocco was way ahead of its time. If you were concerned about work rate and and you know big flashy moves, the main event isn't for you. But that's not the point of the main event. You know you've got to t- you've got to just be allow yourself to be taken along for the ride and, and get invested in it. The production stuff was was way ahead of its time, I think, or, or at least at the very cutting edge of what was available. <laughs> my only problem with it is is precisely that it is my problem because I don't speak Welsh. If I if I, if I spoke Welsh, I'd have known that it was a two out of three falls match for the main event. I'd have you know I'd have known what was going on, but that's that's my failing. So I can't I can't be too harsh on on the show for that. I, w- I wouldn't be harsh to a Japanese show for it. So I'm not going to be harsh to a Welsh show for it. So yeah, I'm 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 up there with you. I'm not quite as high as an eight, but it was uh, it was a seven point five for me. Which puts it way above the vast majority of shows that we've watched. Yeah, it's impressive. No, it's really good. Really good. Yeah, I think in terms of average rating, it's 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 definitely averaging out higher than, uh, than probably ninety percent <laughs> of the stuff we watch. <laughs> I mean, and the the only two episodes I can think of the top of my head that you know, if we if we're just reviewing this episode on its own, which I guess is fair because we only ever review episodes, and you know, now we're going to do a couple of extras, but that that's kind of on top. The only things that either beat this or come close is the first episode of Lucha Underground, yeah. which was amazing, and the WCW reboot. Yeah. Which that's... also was amazing. You know, and, and they are, you know, three of the best hours of television I've ever watched. Yeah. And and this is I up there with it. The only other one that might might come close is possibly the final episode of ECW. That was very I think we give that an average of about eight. So it's 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 there or thereabouts. It's in the ballpark. Yeah. But this yeah. is the calibre of, of stuff that we're, that we're rating yeah. it up with. Um, it's top, but, top three or four episodes that we've watched this. And I really didn't expect that when we decided to do it. I was expecting more. <laughs> I, was ex- I was expecting more HCW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. S4C had a lot going... I had a lot like talking about it like, in the past, but but when it after it launched, S4C had a lot going for it. It's, obviously, it had this excellent wrestling show. It had When I was growing up, it had the best... Uh, like match of the day football kind of show called Scorio. That was, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, it was basically match of the day for all of the European leagues apart from the Premier League. Which again, you Ooh. couldn't get that. You couldn't get that anywhere at the time. Uh, they had probably come as well. Probably which, come. Um, yeah, which giant haystacks and Orig Williams were an episode of. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, we, we, we've talked about doing episodes of soap operas and sitcoms and, and game shows. Are we going to have to track down that episode and try and figure out what's going on? I'll find it. I've looked. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have. I should have had faith. They, they, used to, they used to show Brookside a day later and at 10 o'clock. So if you missed Brookside, you, you could always catch up before catch-up TV by clicking on the S4C. Was it and, broadcast uh, in English or Welsh? Well, it'd be in English, Brookside, yeah. Well, Scouse. Wrong. I was going to say wrong. It'd be Scouse. <laughs> <laughs> and on 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 its launch day in uh, on the seventh of November, nineteen eighty-two, it had programs uh, like the debut of Super Ted, so the first ever episode of Super Ted. Um, I think that was the first show which it was on. It they had long feature on Beyond Borg, that that famous Welsh need. tennis player. <laughs> 
then and then uh, in prime time in in the evening they had Max Boyce meets the Dallas Cowboys. So they they went all out on uh, on launch day. Yes, was he? It beats Countdown on Channel Four, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Countdown on S will see it just L. L. <laughs> yeah. L. You've got vowel, vowel yeah. consonants and then L's and F's. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll have nine, out of either of them. I'll have nine consonants, please. <laughs> right, so with the with the main chart of the way, uh, we'll start looking at the uh, the matches we picked. Um, we had a, a great selection of, uh, of wrestlers, as Rob said. So it was a bit difficult to narrow it down to uh, to one each, I think. But Paul, as you're the guest, um, do you want to start with your match or do you want to pick one of ours? No, we, we, we can go with mine if you like. Yeah, go on then. Uh, let us know who you picked and, uh, and why you picked it. It was a good selection of matches, good, 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 good list on there. The one that jumped out to me, mainly because it was in a cage, I thought that'd be pretty interesting to see see a Welsh take on a cage match. Uh, was Geraint Cluid versus Carl Kramer, who I think was introduced as E Barbariad. Yeah, the barbarian. Which I'm assuming was yeah. the barbarian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but that, 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 the fact the fact that it's in a cage wasn't the only reason you picked it, was it, Paul? Let's be fair. You were you told us it was also because Geraint Cluid is the the most Welsh name ever. <laughs> His name did stand out as well. I thought he's got to be a hometown hero, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, this, yeah, I went for that. This um, would have been an interesting event. I mean, it was filmed in Beaumaris uh, in Anglesey, um, 7th of March, 1991. Also on the card, Chick Cullen, who we've seen on the All-Stars Wrestling yeah. uh, before, versus um, Robbie Hagan in a cage. Giant Haystacks versus Steve Adonis. Orig Williams versus Orig Williams versus Shane Stevens. Now I know he's um, recently parted way with WWE, but I don't know if that Shane Stevens is the same Shane Stevens that was a, a referee at Royal Rumble '91 who went on to be uh, part of the corporate ministry and have the uh, best punches in WWE. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, what have I missed? <laughs> Uh, it's not Shane McMahon, but Shane McMahon did uh, referee as Shane Stevens. Sorry, uh, and um, well, it was Ori Williams and Steve Jones versus Shane Stevens and Johnny South in a tag match. Johnny South in Wrestler would play the part of quote unquote Legion of Doom and dress up as Road Warrior Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> there was also Dave Finley versus Danny Collins in a uh, chain match. That um, caught my eye, and I very nearly went for that one. Yeah. Johnny Saint versus Kid McCoy. Marty Jones versus Skull Murphy in a cage match. And Klondike, Kate and Nicky Monroe versus Julie Starr and Michelle Martel, who also rec- wrestles as Taryn Wynn. All right. That was all on one card. All on one card, so it, it felt a little bit. Because I've watched a, f- a few matches from this uh, show, you know, the free cage matches. Uh, it felt a little bit like a TNA lockdown show. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think this cage match suffers from the fact they had the other two cage matches on the card. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I saw the cage matches on the list, oh. and I was gonna, I was gonna go for that. Gonna go for that one until I saw Geraint's name. Yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. 
Uh, but yeah, this uh, it was cool that you picked a cage match. Um, I'll be honest, one of my uh, one of my first thoughts is uh, on the entrances was uh, uh, was which one is mutton chop Ted Hankey uh, as Cal Kramer got to the ring. They've changed up the intro graphics, which I think is just worth mentioning. That it's like now a cube that spins round with highlights of matches on. I really I, wish I'd paid more attention. It was really good. And there was um, a scene from a Battle Royal, and it had the Fire Pro camera angle. So the camera angle was like above the ring, diagonally. Yeah. Which wow. helps go. Uh, as you said earlier, Tolly, they have some, some interesting directing decisions. Yeah. Uh, my my version went straight into the action. Unfortunately, I didn't get I didn't get entrances on the on the video I found. I didn't have a vast amount of, of that stuff on it. I don't think but I was um, I was I was quite I was quite sleep deprived when I was watching it. <laughs> well, on my version, we got Bryn Fawn. Oh, drink, oh, drink. <laughs> For me, anyway, it was a it was a cage match that was uh, of its time, shall we say? Did you not enjoy it? I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. It's just it was, it was a bit repetitive in places. But it's a symptom of cage matches at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's because well the ob- the objective is escape the cage. So you're going to have these you know just brawling spots and beatdowns. One guy tries to leave, other guy recovers, stops him, rinse and repeat. It's just the nature of the beast. And it's not my favourite thing in the world, but I can appreciate it for what it is. It does seem that a lot of wrestler matches are 14 minutes. So. You know, they, they very much had this idea that the show was going to last so long and all the matches were going to fill up between advert breaks. And this match felt a little bit padded out to get to that time. It felt maybe if it ended earlier, it would have been uh, a bit better. But I really liked the cage. It was sort of a cross between the thick blue WWF cage and sort of the lighter weight cages that you get. Yeah, I thought that with, with the blue, it was... Um... Yeah, it was decent. <laughs> it's just I always get nostalgia pop whenever I see that blue cage. I, I, I went to a I went to a three CW show in Hartlepool, I think, once, and the cage it was a cage match main event, and I was the only one who got irrationally excited when I saw them bringing out the cage, and I, I think I did exactly this. I just went oh, blue cage, <laughs> <laughs> raised my hands up, and people looking at me like, "What are you on about, you dick?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, was like... <laughs> it was a nice cage, and I thought I thought the match was quite quite um, like hard hitting as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, I did. I, I really there was a spot I really liked where Kramer sort of wrapped Garant's hand round the cage, and then sort of punched him from behind. Uh, I thought that was yeah. really good. It yeah. just occurred to me but we haven't done any sort of the background of these guys. Just to say, Garrett Cluard had a match um, in World of Sport, just just the one. But uh, during his time in wrestler, he also wrestled as Doink or Dunk the Clown. <laughs> and <laughs> worryingly, and I can't find any footage of this, and I'm hoping it's not as bad as it sounds, he wrestled as Gary Beware. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping that was all above board, but Lord only knows. <laughs> Coming out with a pigeon. Yeah, Carl Kramer uh, only had one match on World of Sport, but it, he actually it was uh, in a tag match against uh, with Wolf Kramer against Big Daddy and Marty Jones. So you know that's quite decent. What he was trained. By... <laughs> no, no, Big Daddy would have hit him with a bucket or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was trained by uh, John Elijah, who 
Andy and I covered on an episode of Bang Bang Podcast, um, on the episode of World of Sport that we reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. And his daughter, Amy Lee Kramer, was um, the subject of a BBC Three documentary, uh, Wrestling with Motherhood. All right. Yes, it's, he wrestled in, um, in the Knights Territory in, um, was it WAW? Yeah, and yeah. it was about, uh, you know, wrestling and then becoming pregnant and, you know, sort of the challenges therein. Oh, right. That's quite interesting, actually. Yeah. The WAW get a lot of documentaries, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the WWE adjacent. Yeah, filmed by yeah. The Rock. You know, how many uh, <laughs> yeah. indie shows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was Wrestling With Motherhood filmed by The Rock as well? Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got on IMDb, you know. <laughs> Director of Cinematography, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I see. I see what you mean, Dan. It, it was a, it was an, a, an old-fashioned cage match, but I, I really liked it. You had the size differential. You, you had, you had, the barbarian was really, uh, really, I say, really, really hitting Garrett Clued hard. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the splashes and and bits like that. They looked, they looked real. They looked like they looked, oh, looked like they looked like leg, they hurt. You know, Kramer leg, leg dropped Garrett's penis. Yeah. At one point, <laughs> it was a leg drop square to their dick. And then Karen <laughs> Kluwer tried to escape through the door. But there was a, one of the bits that I really liked was the uh, the camera angle they got when uh, when Kramer was choking Kluwer on the uh, the bottom rope. And it got right up close and, and in his face, and you could see the pain and, and you know, choking and all that. I thought that was uh, that was really well done. And then yeah. straight after that, um, Kramer let Kluwer like, try and crawl out a little bit and then just rammed the door back into his head. That was that was a really cool bit. I did enjoy that. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, there was a point where Geraint was Geraint was trying to get out of the cage, and I'm I'm pretty sure Kramer nearly knocked him out of it. I think he got a bit <laughs> o- overzealous in <laughs> trying to chase him, and uh, uh, nearly knocked him down to the ground that way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the amount of times both guys got crossed that neither of them ever will have any kids or will have had any kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- there was one time when Garrett was on the top of the cage and Kramer was pulling his legs down. Like <laughs> 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 so he was like either side of it. It's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, that did not look comfortable. No. <laughs> it's like he was just trying to split him in half on top of the cage. <laughs> I mean, there should have been a you know a sort of a cock knock account on this one. The amount of time they landed on the ropes or on the <laughs> legs either side of the cage. Or... <laughs> yeah. But there was, uh, like, like Tolly said, though, when uh, when Kramer hit, you know, hit the splashes to, to the back or anything like that, it did look really impactful. And you got Cluid fighting out from underneath as the smaller guy. So there were bits and pieces to like about this. It's just, just personal taste. It's just, it's not not my favourite type of match. But yeah, it, as I can it, say, I can appreciate it. I mean, obviously we were looking at this in isolation, but when you watch the rest of the card and Chick Cullen's jumping off the top of the cage and stuff. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, it, it may be. You know, in isolation, I enjoyed it, but then you sort of watch the wider thing, and then, and then you're like, oh, God, another cage match, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the ending of this one was was a, was a bit terrible. Um, it wasn't that bad. Do you not think? No, it was because I think, what was it? It was... Because um, Clue did the missile drop kit, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, it was thingy, uh, it was it slammed it, but Kramer slammed Clue it. 
went up to the second rope in the corner. Cluid hit the punch to the gut as as Kramer jumped off. Then Cluid got to the top, missile drop kick, knocked him on his ass, big bump, scrambled for the door and and, and left. Yeah, maybe 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 it's all a bit too quick for me. A bit a bit. The, the, if, if, it had, if, it, if it had a slow crawl and taken half an hour to get to the door. Yeah, yeah. The, the powers of recovery from the beating Geraint took for the whole match, I think, uh, were, were a little unbelievable, I'd say. As you said before, it's the land that selling forgot wrestler, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm always a fan of when it feels like somebody's sort of snuck a win, if you like. When it, when it feels like they've been going hammer and tong and then they've had to pull something out of the bag to to get it and, and they've sort of got it by the skin of the teeth. Yeah. I always I always like that when it feels that way. So I'm gonna be giving it extra points for uh, Did, for sort of coming out of nowhere. I, I don't know if this is, you know, obviously my lack of understanding of Welsh or whatever, but Cluid escapes the cage and they announce him as the winner. But then Kramer goes out of the door and they're announcing Kramer when he goes out of the door. So I don't know if they'd filmed effectively filmed to endings and accidentally broadcast them or if they were just saying you know give him a round of applause because he's here sort of thing but it did feel the fact that they sort of announced him over the tannoy i was sort of wondering i like to think it was the latter because yeah you see that in in you know like in boxing when you get you know the end of the fight if it goes the distance or whatever happens it's always you know give it up for both fighters and and all the rest of it so i could easily see it being something like that yeah. Yeah. And I think Kramer did kind of like acknowledge the crowd and kind of raise his hand that mm. I think if he'd have won the match he probably might not might not have done. Been taunting or Yeah. 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 Oh, I've lost, I can't be a knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall it was like I say, it was if I was if I was gonna rate this out of ten, I'd I didn't I didn't hate it. Um but I, you know, I didn't love it, so I'd, I'd probably give it a six out of ten myself. Yeah, yeah. I'd be in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah, I give it a solid quick as well. Six. Yeah. One thing I did really love, I thought this Bo Mary setup was really good because often when you have a wrestling show in a theatre, it can feel a bit awkward. You know, where do you put the ring, that kind of thing. Mm. And the way that they've kind of done the ring almost diagonally, and they had the entrance going down sort of the steps of the crowd and you know, the sort of fans around them and at the sta- on the stage at the back. And they had the wrestler logos down the side of the wall. Um, I thought the, set, the, the way that they dressed it, uh, apart from the fact that the guardrail was um, some traffic cones with a bit of plastic <laughs> on top, that, <laughs> that, that was really naff. Uh, although they have got a guardrail, which they didn't have in 87. But um, aside, from, aside from the traffic cones, it, it was a really good setup. Don't knock it, Rob. Those traffic cones inspired WWE to do the roadblock event. No, nope, exactly. <laughs> NXT version 2.0 roadblock. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was like I said, it was it was a good start to the uh, to the matches that we picked. Rob, do you want to do yours next, or do you want to do mine? It's completely up to you, Dan. Well, I've just cracked a beer. I tell you what, we'll uh, we'll do mine next. Uh, I picked Klondike Kate versus Tracy Kemp and Teranwen because it felt like, having mentioned, you know, how sort of influential wrestler was uh, for women's wrestling, it only felt right to uh, to pick a women's match. And I realised going through that, I don't think I've ever actually seen a Klondike Kate match, which is uh, a bit of a travesty, really. 
Same here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she'd fight the men in World of Sport, so this is probably the first time I've seen Klondike Kit in a women's match. This event was filmed in Newcastle, Emlyn, which was filmed on the 5th of February, 1992, which is actually the day after the match that I've chosen. Um, oh, right. So, yeah. On, on this card, Giant Haystacks versus um, Dave Taylor, Dr. Dean versus the Aztec Warrior, which makes me worry about HCW and... Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Terry Rudge versus Patrick Lopez. Johnny South of the uh, Legion of Doom fame versus Boston Blackie, which we've seen. Uh, this is a tournament that is in that semi, one of the semi finals. Second semi final is Frank Schumann versus um, American Hawkwind. Uh, you have to see American Hawkwind to be believed. He's got like the sting makeup on his face and an American flag. Right, I'm having a look. <laughs> Talking uh, the finals. Final of the tournament is um, uh, Johnny South versus Frank Schumann in a chain match. Where we get uh, Ricky Knight and Jimmy Ocean, the Superflies, versus Garrett Cluid and uh, Flesh Garden, who we'll see uh, later on. And Big Daddy and his nephew Greg Valentine, not the one that uh, you're thinking, the <laughs> one from Halifax, versus um, Count Von Zuppi and Dr. Death, and not the one that you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble finding American Hawkwind. No, that's all microphones. Well, anyway, I'll sort that out after. We'll leave that for another time. But in, in terms of the uh, the people on the card, I couldn't find anything at all about Taron Wen and Tracy Kemp. Yeah, they, they seem to be, I mean, there's a few photos of them on uh, Wrestling Heritage, but no sort of write-up. Oreg Williams' wife is called Tara, so I did wonder. Mm if there was sort of a connection there. Potentially. Maybe, yeah. And um, I think his daughter wrestled as Tara Bandito. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at um, looking at Taranwen, she was... Well, b- both women, first of all, Tracy Kemp and Taranwen would have fit would have fit right in in glow, like the, just the retire and whatnot. But Taranwen in particular looked genuine, like really like muscular and... and sort of an athletic specimen. So it was really hard to say that without sounding pervy. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean that in the purest sense of the word. Like she she looked she looked like a wrestler. Yeah. If you know did. what I mean. Um, whereas Tracy Kemp, I'm sure at some point they said they said something along the lines of Tracy Kemp being a ballerina. She was certainly dressed as one, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She had the sort of two two type thing on a gear, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And then you had Klondike Kate who was living up to a rep living up to every word of a reputation. She was just Horrible, <laughs> but, but, you know, but you know, in the best way. I saw I saw a, a documentary about British wrestling, and um, uh, Klondike Kate was saying that um, she'd been at a show, and a woman in the crowd had inject her, injected her with a horse tranquilizer when she was on her way to the ring. <laughs> yeah, she riled people up that much. I'm sure. I'm sure I've heard the same story. She was just. She had. She had the gob. And she had oh, to, she had real presence as well. The, the heat on her just from being introduced was sort of there immediately. And she's she's you know refs backing her up and the, she contact gets gobbing off at the ref even. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I was I was really happy that that Klondike Kate for me lived up to a reputation in this match when she when she elbows both of both Sir Anwen and, and Tracy Kemp in the head and then just yells bloody rubbish. 
I don't know if you watched the same version of this as me, but in the version I watched, I noticed that the S4C logo was like dancing around, and I thought, what's going on here? And then I noticed there was a light, which wasn't the light in the arena. It was the light in the living room bouncing off the TV that this was being recorded <laughs> by a camcorder. <laughs> I didn't notice that, to be I honest. I didn't notice that. <laughs> but um, one thing I was a fan of in this match was Tracy Kemp and Tyrannon, when they finally got Klondike Kate down, they uh, they did the move that we that I first saw, at least, in Glow, which was like the uh, the robot submission. Like, trying to, like, just trying to rip her legs off. Yeah, with Tina Ferrari, yeah. 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 I mean, I'll 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 stop waxing lyrical for a second and, uh, and let you guys get a word in edgeways. Uh, what did you What did you reckon to match, Paul? Yeah, I thought she, I thought she was great, Klondike Kate, like real, just a real real bad guy. Mm. Re- really listening, a great reaction from the crowd. I think at one I think, I'm sure at one stage she shouted shouted over, "Shut up, you Welsh bitches!" Yeah, <laughs> somewhere along those lines. It was either that or just give up, you Welsh bitch. Yeah. <laughs> which I assume made it into the edit because it wasn't a Welsh swear word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, Kemp starts sort of laying in kicks to her, sort of almost like Daniel Bryan with the yes kicks. And yeah. you get Kate like begging off just after she's been all gobby, which made it even better. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, it's always great to, when, a, when a cocky, like physically dominant heel starts backing off. It's um, it's it's good, but again, I didn't re- I didn't realise it was a two out of three falls match. <laughs> <laughs> when you're watching um, in a different language, it, it does add additional twists to the yeah. to the story, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the first fall comes about after uh, I think Kate hit a um, she hit a splash to Kemp's back and then hit a tombstone basically uh, yeah. for the three count, and I was like, wow, that was dominant from Klondike Kate. What well, that was. How did she pin her, Dan? It was like a 69 pin. It was like... I, I didn't... I honestly didn't... Oh, it was, it was awkward. There's a, a shock... <laughs> there's, a, there's a shocked emoji in my notes here. It was like... <laughs> it's going, so, so, but just, just literally, just before the pin, I got Google adverts. Oh, God. So I got an advert for the Google Pixar 6 and Grammarly. Thankfully, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't. I didn't spot the uh, the, the sixty nine pin. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did like the selling from uh, from Kemp and, and Saran when you know helping her back to the corner. I thought that was really well done. But yeah, it, like you say, Tyler, when it when it's in a different language, you think, oh, that's that's the end of that, and then oh wow, more wrestling, brilliant. The match yeah. is still going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should we we should we should have already known by this point. Rob's 14-minute rule on, on S4C. Yeah. We, should, we should have known. The matches just keep going. It's a 14-minute Iron Man or Woman match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but second fall's coming along and uh, and it's Tar- it's Taran winning now because uh, obviously Kemp's just had the shit beat out of her and she's on the outside. The the, the as happened with the uh, the tag match we looked at before, the uh, the the, the equalising fall comes uh, comes fairly quickly and there was uh, my heart was in my mouth for uh, for a moment because Tran when sort of headbutts Klondike Kate in the midsection, climbs quickly to the top rope and she uh, she slipped on the dive, yeah, and I was just like when you see somebody slip like that you 
I don't know about you guys, but I just like have that sharp intake of breath and think, oh God. But thankfully, uh, she with the camera angle, it looked like she got enough of it, and uh, and then uh, Tracy Kemp was in to assist with the cover to make it one-one, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. But you know, the crowd loved it, and the referee obviously didn't give a shit. It's funny, you know, AEW is the land of where the referees trying to get themselves over and uh, sort of, uh, you know, steal focus. And uh, wrestlers is the land where the referees don't really give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) But which which show was it where we were watching it and there was a pin and the referee just looked at it for like five seconds and, oh shit, I've got to count three. (laughs) HCW, wasn't it, where he's stomping the pin out because he can't bother getting down for it. No, it was UWA with Nash. Oh, yes, yeah. It was in the tag match, the tag title match, which, oh, Tolly, we'll, I'll have to drop you a picture of it if you've never seen the UWA tag team titles. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to show me, you have to show me yeah, a well, picture. I'll, I'll message you after, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah they, re- they recovered that, um, that spot quite well to still turn it into, turn it into a pinfall. Yeah, I thought so. I was um, I was sort of quite happy with that went down. What did you reckon to the second fall, Rob? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't as awkward as the first fall. I mean, it was illegal, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something you touched on earlier, though, people might think this is an insult. I think these three women uh, and this match would have fit in very well in, you know, 1987, 1986 glow. Yeah, absolutely, um, and and we we loved that when we watched it. Um, so that's that's a compliment as far as I'm concerned. All that went through my head watching this match was I would have loved to have seen Matilda and Klondike Kate as a heel oh. tag team, or a match against each other, or a match against each other. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Sadly, obviously, well, I don't think it ever happened. Uh, if it did, then I'm sure it was. It's a it's sort of a lost gem, but yeah, there were two. Two absolute masters were Tilda and Klondike Kate. But we're getting towards towards the end of the match. Klondike Kate sort of slowly picks herself up to face. Tracy Kemp's back in, she's recovered, and she's geeing the crowd up. Kate's quickly on top. There was a a snapmare, a kick to the face, and a a pretty gnarly-looking leg drop, (laughs) which seemed to just absolutely destroy Tracy Kemp's face. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's like Wing Commander Nash said about the the leg drop he got. <laughs> it looks close. Oh, it looks close. Run, concussed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it looked rough. Well, it looked rough from my perspective. I'm not idiot. It could have been safe as houses for all I know. But then we see Kate get Tracy Kemp up in a power bomb. Uh, she gets her sort of in a power bomb position into a sort of like modified torture rack almost, but just over one shoulder. Shades of Lex Luger. Ugh. Better than anything Lex Luger ever did. That's the third fall, and Klondike Kate wins. Uh, wins two one. Drops uh, drops Tracy Kemp to the floor, but keeps kicking her in the head. Uh, shoves the referee, and the ref disqualifies Kate. So the faces win, and the crowd go absolutely nuts. Yeah, but uh, then Klondike Kate uh, body slams uh, ring announcer Louise Jones for announcing it. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was Kate may have lost, but. She didn't look a loser. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you get disqualified after the final fall? Sure, Apparently surely, so. <laughs> surely, it's, everything's fair game once the uh, once the match is over. 
Well, technically, once the match is over, it's assault. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so that was just a way to keep Kate out of prison. <laughs> but, you know, they've had that before in wrestling where the match is finished and then somebody goes too far and they overturn the decision. Yeah, they did with Ric Flair, didn't they? On one of the ones uh, we've watched recent, on recently from Booking the Tank Atari. He, he won his first match with a figure four leg lock and then kept it on for too long and disqualified him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we got Oreg Williams escorting Klondike Kate to the back. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, Oreg's the only one tough enough to make Kate bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get Bryn Fawn. <laughs> Drink. Drink. Also, just for reference, I've gone on to a new, uh, a new Northern Monk Patrons project beer. Uh, it's a Love Hearts Sour Ale, but it's, it's like a bit of strawberry, bit of cherry, bit of orange. Quite sweet. I didn't realise when I bought this, it's only 2.4%. No. Oh, dear. You're not going to like that. I, well, I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought it said 24. <laughs> I actually drank the Tiny Rebel Peaches and Cream between Bryn Fon appearances. I finished off the first one last time we saw it, and I finished off this one this time. <laughs> oh, brilliant timing! So, um, as far as this match goes, uh, what would you rate it out of ten, Paul? I'd give it five. Is that because it underrated yours? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it was it was an enjoyable match. It was it, as I said, it was it was good. It was good seeing Klondike Kate, but um, yeah, he was it was it, it was exactly that. It was a kind of middle of the road. Good match. Fair enough. Uh, Rob? Yeah, I'd probably be a little bit more optimistic. I'd, I'd probably give it a six. Uh, again, it's another match that's maybe been stretched out to uh, WrestleOS 14-minute uh, rule. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable. And I think you've got to sort of put it in context that this is 1987 British women's wrestling. And, you know... I thought you said, um, said it was 92. No, sorry, I did beg pardon. It was, uh, yeah, 1992 British women's wrestling. But even so... You know, there's not much of that going on. The scene's been buried by the various rules or whatever uh, around there. So not something we're used to seeing, certainly not something we saw in World of Sports. So, you know, that, that's really positive. And uh, I thought Taron Wynn was um, really good. Yeah. I'm in a similar ballpark, but uh, th- this match, I was just incredibly impressed with Klondike Kate. Obviously, I've heard a lot about her. I've, I've read um, the wrestling by Simon Garfield, and she's got a big part, you know, big part to play in that, and you know the story she tells. Yeah, I was blown away by how good a heel she was. Uh, Taryn Wynn was was really good as well. And Tracy Kemp held her own in there. Um, I thought too. Yeah, I'm I'm not much I'm not much higher than you, Robert. I, I couldn't give it a seven, but I think I'd probably be about six point five. I'm basing that on. A lot of my love for for Klondike Kate and, and her work here. It was um, just sort of a bit of a just confirming my uh, just confirming my my preconceived notions. It gets it gets an extra half a point for. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is great when you see when you see someone live up to the reputation they have, because so so often when you look when you look back at at someone and again with what thirty was it thirty thirty years time between it you could if you've seen them for the first time sometimes you'd be disappointed can you but yeah I, i'm completely with you this I, I could see what she was all about and it was great i, I would happily watch more Klondike gate matches yeah 
based on that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so did did um, you say did you say earlier in the in the recording that women's wrestling was banned in in the UK in the eighties? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, well, obviously before then, there was a huge ban, uh, almost a blanket ban. I think it was. Um, oh, her name's what? Her name's escaped me now, and it really shouldn't. Brian Dick, I think I'm sure it was Brian Dixon's wife was a, a wrestler in her own right, and she also her, she also went. In fact, I, I looked her up for an episode of Badlands <laughs> that, that I recorded with Mags. Um, it was sort of like the past, present, and future of, of women's wrestling, and it's doing my head in that I can't remember her name right now. But yeah, it, it, women's wrestling was banned most places. Look, look, council, local councils would, at the drop of a hat, threaten to cancel shows if they had women's matches on. Really? Yeah, um, it was seen as sort of fetishistic. It was thought because women were wrestling that it was a sex thing, right? And that was what? justification for getting it, you know, for getting a lot of matches banned. And in certain circles, it may have been, but not not at all not at all star at four in the afternoon. <laughs> no, that shows a, shows a lack of understanding, doesn't it? Well, they've never seen the episode of Are You Being Served where Mrs. Slocum faces uh, Jackie Palo. That was on the other night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, there was a lot there. And obviously, Wrestler was, being in Wales, it was you know allowed to showcase women's matches. And Wrestler, along with, along with various other movements, um, allowed women's wrestling back in. Wow. It's really bugging me that I can't remember her name now. So late late eighties Wales was like the modern day Saudi Arabia, bringing <laughs> showcasing <laughs> women, showcasing women's wrestling. Mitzi Muller, Mitzi Muller, yes. I, I had the M's on on the tip of my tongue and just can I blame beer or am I just a dickhead? Bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! So best, before I dig myself a bigger hole, we'll uh, we'll go to your match, Rob. What have you, yeah. what have you picked for us? Yeah, so I have chosen uh, Ricky Knight, who's been accompanied to the ring by Soraya Knight. Uh, so that's Paige from WWE's Parents um, versus Flesh Garden, which is the name of a VHS my mother accidentally picked up in um, HMV in Leeds when she was trying to buy Flesh Garden. And I was uh, quite, quite young, which was very embarrassing. Um, the... <laughs> this uh, epi- this uh, match was film- filmed in Murphy Tidville uh, the 4th of February 1992, so the day before uh, the match we've just reviewed. Uh, on the rest of the card, there was Johnny South uh, from Legion of Doom fame versus Patrick Lopez, uh, Robbie Brookside versus Lee Thomas, uh, Jimmy Ocean, who's Ricky Knight's tag team partner in the Superflies, uh, against uh, Garant Cluid, who we've seen earlier in the show. Giant Haystacks versus another uh, World of Sport alumni, Skull Murphy. Fit Fingley versus Frank Schumann. Terry Rudge versus Suzuki Gun is in the house because uh, Takayaki um, Izuka is on the card. Fuck, I thought that was the same Izuka. I nearly picked that match. Yeah, and uh, Dave Taylor versus Steve Casey. I'm quite annoyed I didn't pick the Izuka match. I I haven't watched it. I'm assuming he came down with his little metal claw. (laughs) <laughs> his tinfoil mitten yeah I, I hated Izuka like you hate Yano I can um, understand why yeah but it'd, it'd be well. interesting I'm going to have to go seek that match out that sounds interesting it does um, um, so Flesh Garden was a French wrestler 
But uh, in 1970, at the age of 17, he moved to Mexico to learn Lucha Libre. But yeah. Yeah, which is a- extremely young. Um, he makes his French wrestling debut in 73. And in 95, he is the subject of a French documentary about wrestling. Fair enough, yeah. Well, what, what, yeah. What, what, what life he's already had. Yeah, yeah I, d- I did try and watch it. My GCSE French didn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'd do uh, do particularly well with that, and I, I studied French up to uh, up to university. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you understand more of it than an episode of Wrestling? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I did get some <laughs> words out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Only when they asked where the library was. Yeah, unless they say Bonnie Dar, I'm like tapping out of Wrestler's commentary. <laughs> <laughs> or brain's bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Knight and um, Serena Knight's already in the ring. Flash Gordon comes out to the French national anthem. And, wearing, a, wearing a tinfoil cape. Now, uh, if this was filmed in England, it'd have been massively booed, but is uh, massively over it. Is this the um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing? I think it must be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, oh. I've been I've been at a, a Wales Scotland football game where the chant. For, for most of the game, which Wales, Wales were winning 4-1, four, four Robert Earnshaw scored that trick. But still, for certainly most of the second half, the chant was stand up if you hate England. Just constantly, <laughs> just constantly for a whole half of football where Scotland were being thrashed. And they were, they, they were loving life. I'd be tempted to stand up as well because um, I hate England a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I must admit, I, I was watching uh, a Borussia Dortmund versus uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach match on Sky Sports once, and I swear they were uh, they were singing "We All Hate Leeds" scum. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't surprise me. I tell you what, going back to the match, the first thing that stood out to me was I never imagined that Ricky Knight could look like Zicky Dice. With with his two torn mullet, yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was definitely a look. Well, just before that, Bryn Fon's back. Oh, drink. Oh dear, Fucking yeah, Bryn, Bryn Fon. <laughs> but we actually get the first English on the show. Um, Saraya Knight's going to cut a promo. Yeah, and I could yeah. I could barely make it out. <laughs> something cool you better booker it better and that noise right there means it's time for steve Bell to booker it better well let me tell you something cool there are so many people booing this legend in the ring right now and oh my god i can't even hear myself think listen to me michael cole i'm trying to tell you something about this legend here but i just can't talk i can't even hear myself speak for my own dreadlocks the, the dreadlocks where i do the spinner rooney but all these people are booing and booing and booing and oh my goodness it's too loud so let me tell you something cool i'm gonna have to get the hell out of here take it easy pal and oh my goodness tell me you did not just say that 
I, I did consider either giving him the only English on the show or getting him to sing Bread of Heaven as Booker T. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't emotionally prepared for Steve O doing an impression of Booker T doing a Soraya Knight program. <laughs> and I've got to be honest, you've made Steve O take his life into his hands there. I've seen Soraya Knight wrestle live. She is the single most terrifying person I've ever seen wrestle. Well, in Southside, they announced her as the cunt kicker. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what she did to Lizzie Evo. She she kicked her square in the cunt. (laughs) About four times. (laughs) Oh, God. You've got to warn me about this. Did either of you think that Soraya Knight in 1992 looked a bit like Paige in, you know, um, the 2010s? Um, a touch. Yeah, I mean, she had the big yeah, hair on her, but if, if she'd have, you know, uh, straightened her hair, I, I'd have thought it was basically Paige. It's, uh, it it well, was uncanny, so really. You know, there were some similarities, really, between mother and daughter. Yeah, but, you know, she didn't necessarily, you know, but... At that point, I thought, I thought she looked very page-like. Um, yeah. So we get, uh, at the start of the match, Ricky Knight's no-selling uh, Gordon's shoulder barges. Yep, he certainly is. <laughs> there was a mention on commentary. I did pick up the word Eurosports. All right. And All right. I do know that Wrestlo worked with, you know, like um, Otto Vance's CWA and they worked with a French wrestling promotion. Mm. And... Uh, I had a, a look round, and uh, some of the matches they filmed for, I think it was the EWA, which was the French one, um, was shown on Eurosports, and Orig Williams did English language commentary on them for Eurosports, and it, it's really annoying, because I, I remember watching wrestling on Eurosports in the 90s, and it was from the EWA, and it was just like a really dimmer, dimmer arena, and the ropes were really saggy and stuff, and it was in French, and I was like, oh, I'm not putting up with this shit. And it annoys <laughs> me. If I if I'd hung around, there would have been Orig Williams doing English commentary. <laughs> but no, you, you let, you let, you let uh, the presentation get in the way. Yeah, I missed ECW, and I missed the EWA, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. But one, one thing I did, <laughs> at least you watched Glow. One thing I did like early on in this match was uh, Ricky Knight going for the uh, going for the sort of the classic heel powder and uh, and being looked after by Soraya because that, that at that time that was always a big uh, always a big heat getter, wasn't it? Yeah, we saw the same with Skip and Sonny, didn't we? In an early episode of Raw, where the yeah sort of going out and uh, hugging his missus for the boo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making childish jokes in my head. <laughs> I had about 15 of them come into my brain all at once and they couldn't get out the door so it was like that thing in the Simpsons when, when the doctors illustrated all of Mr Burns diseases Free Stooges syndrome <laughs> <laughs> we get this scene where Ricky Knight has Gordon in a full Nelson and Soraya's slapping him she slaps him the first time and then the second time Gordon ducks and obviously she slaps uh, Ricky Knight classic yeah, I, I enjoyed that spot. It's always fun. You know, it's coming, but it's still always great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were a load of spots in this match where they kept throwing the other one out. I didn't know if they were trying to win by count out. I don't know if that was the. Uh... 
the counts were really quick. So yeah. perhaps, oh, yeah. that is a, perhaps that is a genuine tactic in, uh, in wrestling. If I throw him far enough, he can't get back in time. <laughs> <laughs> um, they get another spot outside the ring where Soraya's hitting um, Gordon with a shoe. But it, yeah. it was like a stiletto. But it looked like really floppy. You know, it was like it was doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I kind of, I think that I like that because it looked a bit crap. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure someone got up out of their seat, didn't they, and gave a, gave a bit to Soraya at that point. I'm sure a, a kind of an older older lady got up out of her seat and uh, gave Soraya a bit of a telling off. I do remember somebody giving Soraya a bollocking. This is the thing, you know, Meltzer's going to tell you about what AEW scored in the key demo. What wrestling is missing in 2022 is old women that are really angry yeah. because that, that was the backbone of British wrestling for decades. You weren't, you weren't a true heel until you'd been stabbed with a knitting needle. Yeah. <laughs> to be pissed off the over 60s women. <laughs> yeah. You walk into the ring and they're trying to they're looking up from the knit one pearl what to try and puncture your lung. <laughs> That's when you know you're older when the grandmas start coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. It was great stuff. So speaking speaking of uh, Brookside on S4C, I I did think that um Ricky Knight and his and his tag partner looked like Harry Enfield Scousers. <laughs> did. They really did. Well, you, you just touched on it there. I mean, Jimmy Ocean sort of uh, runs down to uh, uh, the ringside, um, who's Ricky Knight's tag team partner. There's a thing on Wrestling Heritage, which is a complete sideways compliment about Jimmy Ocean. It says he could have been a big star in the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> It's so brilliant. It's like whoever wrote that probably thought it was a compliment, but just his backhanded is all hell. Yeah, I've got to be honest though. We've mentioned her a few times. I actually think this match. I think the highlight of this match was actually Soraya. Yeah, definitely. The way she was working the outside. I'm scared to say what I've written in case she hears it, takes it the wrong way, and comes to my house and beats the shit out of me. But. She, it, was like, it was like she was the Pontin Sherry Martel. <laughs> she gave me very Sherry Martel vibes. Uh, it felt like, you know, the um, Macho Man Ultimate Warrior match where Sherry Martel's all over the warrior. It, yeah. She gave me very Sherry Martel in that vein vibe. That's exactly where exactly where I was going with it. And I, I did mean Pontin Sherry Martel in the best of, you know, the best of intentions. Please don't kill me. <laughs> well, this is the time, you know, they were working the camps, they were working shows like Wrestler and things like that. So uh, that's how I got there. But yeah, she was undoubtedly the highlight of this match because apart from the, the stuff with Sarai, the, the in-ring stuff was fine, but yeah. Sarai took it to a, to the next level. I mean, in full view of the ref, Soraya's stomping Garden. Superfly's a double-teaming Garden. The referee has a good long think about it for, for about a week because he's waiting for it to get to that 14-minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> and then he disqualifies Ricky Knight. I think he rang the bell about five minutes before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that's lasted longer than that NXT UK show. Yeah, he's watching this. Oh, Jesus, it's nine minutes. <laughs> Spin this out for five minutes. Yeah. Prince, I'm not out of makeup yet. Yeah. 
I'm surprised he didn't drop to his knees and like look at one hand and look at the other as if he was in some great moral dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> starts, starts reciting, starts reciting Hamlet to be or not to be, but he will. Maybe the ref can't speak Welsh, and he wasn't sure if it was a handicap match or a two out of three falls. <laughs> He's in the same boat as all of us. He's still more competent than Bryce Remsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it now? Is Bryce Remsburg taken over the uh, the wrath of Rob as far as refs go? Bryce Remsburg is leading that lovely Aubrey Edwards astray. <laughs> <laughs> All those months of misplaced hatred towards Aubrey Edwards. Oh, she still needs to learn, but I mean, I, I can't give her 100% blame for what's going on. She, she has had a head turned by Remsburg. She needs to watch some wrestling to, to really learn how to not interfere with the filming of a wrestling show. <laughs> to be so separated from the action that she can take a week to acknowledge an interference. <laughs> Return a late library book and still get back to the end of the match. <laughs> so that's the end of the match, and we get Bryn Fon again, <laughs> so drink. So, so what do you think? I'll let you go, Paul, because I've already said a couple of my bits. So <laughs> I did rate this match very highly. I, I really, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Soraya. Yeah, the match itself didn't really go anywhere for me. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go four, and Soraya scoring a lot of that. Wow. Yeah, and, and you're supposed to be biased to this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's no Welsh people in it. <laughs> the ref. <laughs> I, was just, I was waiting for Bryn to come back. <laughs> Dan. I'm I'm on a similar wavelength to Paul. The the, the bell to bell wasn't brilliant, but Sarai made up uh, a lot of work in there. There was nothing outstandingly bad. Sarai was the best bit, but there wasn't anything outstandingly good in the ring. So it's it's a five for me. Yeah, yeah, I'd be in the same sort of ballpark, really. Yeah, I think it, the 14 minute rule does does hurt them. Um, <laughs> Sort of like you then ended a bit, bit sooner. That might have been uh, a bit more watchable. Um, but I, I did enjoy the heel tactics. I really, I really did. More wrestler you you'd watch the fourteen minute rule would really begin to ruin the experience. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, it could do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there weren't any adverts on the show, unfortunately, unless you count the adverts that Google gave us, but uh, not actually on the show. So in terms of shows that we've had for the show. Tack Brown at Tack Brown said HCW was uh, like someone who had been told a vague description of what wrestling is, but never bothered to watch any wrestling. It was absolutely horrific. So I think he was really glad that he reviewed that with us. Well, that's been, gen- <laughs> that's been generous. That, that paints HCW in a good light. Yeah. Graham at uh, Good Bad Wrestle says he wants to see a spin-off podcast with Drunk Dan. And he thought that'd be very entertaining. And I, I think this is the spin-off podcast with Drunk Dan. No, this is the spin-off podcast with me on the way to being Drunk Dan. Drunk Dan has a very fine recording window where you've got to get it at exactly the right moment because eventually, like when I just tip, when it just tips over the edge, it's not even it's not even rambling words anymore, it's just mumbling and farting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, on that episode we did with Bill Wall Chris, you, you made a noise that I didn't hear at the time. 
And he, he said, oh, sorry about that. If it picked up on the mic, it was my belly. And at the time, me and Chris were like, oh, no, no, it didn't pick up. And then when I was editing the damn thing, it, like, just completely wipes out the sound. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I had my headphones in, it's like, whoa, <laughs> all of sound. And, and, and that wasn't even a fart. That was, mm. just, that was just the prep work. Yeah, so I've edited that out for the, for the listeners, so yeah, you would have afraid your eardrums otherwise. Lee Conway, LDCon71, said that um, the HGW sounded absolutely terrible, but he was glad to hear Attack on the Show again. To be fair, I'd actually quite like to get Lee to watch it, just so he can feel our pain. Yeah. The Broadcast podcast at The Broadcast um, said to check out UTT podcast, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, and go check out the broadcast. Yeah. Danny at Scottish Juggalo um, said it was an absolute scream listening to a UTT podcast and uh, great to experience another uh, promotion. Was that about HCW? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, poor Danny. Although I have to say, this weekend just gone, I was down in London for the final, as I mentioned. We had our first official councillor Dan meeting, Dan's meeting. It went very well until Danny predicted that Chelsea were going to win the final. But at least he was wrong. (laughs) It was great to meet Danny in person and uh, hopefully uh, get to do that again soon. Superb. Milmar Chris, um, at Milmar Chris, said that uh, it heard a rumour that when he recorded with us, there was no echo. We'll we'll see how that plays out when it uh, it drops. (laughs) The only echo was from my stomach. Uh, Someone's wrestling with the uh, uh, editing at the moment. Marty at uh, Marty Junior 5 from the Marty and Fitch Talk Bollocks uh, podcast said thanks for the shout out um, that we gave them on uh, UTCO podcast. Confirmed that Fitch sniffs bus seats and that he's an awful influence on him. Yep, that's very true. And I also gave the Marty and Fitch podcast the highest praise and recommendation I can give a podcast uh, this week because the most recent episode at time of recording made me laugh so hard that I had to go do a poo. Fair enough. Which actually did shout us out on the show. I, I didn't think he listened to wrestling uh, podcasts. So I think he, I think he stuck. I think he, I think we hooked him in with the beer. Then he fast forwarded the wrestling. Probably listened at mag speed until he got to the uh, the shout out at the end. But I do appreciate it. Fitch. Thanks very much. Even though I think in a lot of aspects you're a terrible human being. Firm but fair. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Cy Powell at SJP Words is still catching up. He just finished the last episode of ECW Hardcore TV and said it was a really great listen. It was, yeah. It was great to have Lee along for the ride. His, uh, his knowledge of ECW was absolutely vital on that on those episodes. Yeah. Danny at Scottish Juggalo said that he can't wait to not watch the, first, uh, the last episode of the UWA. Oh, come on, Danny. It's right up your street. Watch all 21. There was another one from Graham, actually. Yeah, I'd, not, I'd normally only shout one out per episode, but Graham at Good um, Bad Wrestle sent us uh, a picture of a... It's like a bean bag, but you fill it with wine, although he suggested we could fill it with beer, and it's got a little straw coming out of it. So... My question is, why do you need a straw? Well, <laughs> you sat on it, it'd be like uh, some kind of uh, jet of beer that was just firing out the side of it. <laughs> if, if I sat on it, nobody would be able to physically keep up. <laughs> yeah, and S4C said that they'd look into putting Wrestler uh, on S4C on demand after uh, I contacted them to demand the full episodes. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Come on, S4C, do it. 
I yeah. love that. You'll get at least three viewers. Yeah, we'll be downloading S4C Click and uh, be watching it on there. I actually would. Yeah, I would. About six weeks after it first landed, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the shout-outs that we've had. Great stuff. So now we move on to the uh, the awards section of the show. So first award is the match of the night, and that includes the three who watched at the end. Uh, so, Paul, who gets your match of the night? Yamada versus Rocco. Rip, not That's Team Camry. Not Team, not Team Camry. No, yeah, yeah, Yamada, Yamada versus Rocco. Like I said, I, I think, I think part of it was again that expectation of it of the show being bad and then actually being a bit blown away by it um, from that. And it was just a great match. Just really, as you say, fast paced, good action, some good spots, and seeing a seeing a very young Liger like that by by surprise. Yeah, it was, I think it was the best best match of the ones ones we saw. Fair enough. I'm going to jump the gun because I'm right there with you. Yamada Rocco is easily the best match on the card for me for all the reasons we've said previously and, and what you just wrapped up there. So, Rob, does uh, Yamada versus Rocco get a clean sweep? Yeah, it does. No, I mean, obviously the atmosphere was amazing for the Tim Cymru match, but um, yeah, definitely the best match that we watched um, out of these. Uh... <laughs> I've put in my nose. Full sweep for Kenshimada yeah. and a clean sweep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would be with the with our sort of uh, relative uh, sensibilities towards wrestling. But um, next up is the MVP of the night. So, Paul, who gets your MVP? I went for Yamada again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I can understand it. But go on, if, if you've got any, any more to add. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I, just really, I just really enjoyed watching him. And, and again... Team Cymru come close, come close to snatching it. But y- Yamada was super over as well with, mm. with with the crowd. They 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 really bought into him. So yeah, he's my, he's my MVP. Fair enough. Uh, Rob, who's your MVP of the night? Yeah, it's Yamada. I mean, it's the third time we've seen him on the show. Excellent match against John Wilkie and All Stars. Excellent match against Brian Pillman on Nitro. Excellent match against Rollerball Rocco on Wrestler. Uh, yeah. What more can you say? Is the highlight of any show that he's on? Fair enough. It's it's not a clean sweep for Yamada no. uh, this time. I've given my MVP to Oreg Williams because, as I mentioned earlier, he got such a big reaction out of the crowd for, for barely doing anything. But when I've kind of put it into the context of realising that he was, you know, in his late 50s at this point, it kind of makes perfect sense. But to still be so over and have the crowd eating out the palm of your hand. Yeah, I've got to give it to Oreg Williams. Yeah, he was a he was a huge presence. Yeah. How how old was Yamada at this stage? Uh it can't have been that old. Uh two ticks. He did start the New Japan Dojo late though because they rejected him and then he went to Mexico to learn to wrestle. And there was a New Japan official out there who sort of took pity on him and brought him back. So He'd have been older than the the normal intake. He was thirty three, and this was his. He was in, just into his uh, fourth year of wrestling. He debuted in eighty four, so he'd just gone past his third year anniversary. So yeah, so that was Liger, thirty three years old, but only three and a half years in. And initially, said he was too sharp for the dojo. Crazy, <laughs> madness. Yeah. yeah. So so he next. 
Yeah. <laughs> you certainly did. So the next award is uh, Moment of the Night. Uh, Paul, what's your Moment of the Night? Oreg Williams' entrance. Yeah, it, that was huge. Fun. Or Team Cymru's entrance, but it, it, it was for Oreg, really, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah. yeah, just a fan, fantastic. It, 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 it was Hulkamania. <laughs> Hulkamania in uh, real. No, it wasn't in real, was it? It was in... Uh, <laughs> Um, Canavan. Canavan, yeah. Yeah. Canavan <laughs> What's what's Welsh for brother? <laughs> I should know, but I don't. No. Well, um, yeah, I get that. It was yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It, that re- that reaction was just insane. Rob, what was your moment of the night? Now, it's gonna be a clean sweep for this one, Charlie, hasn't it? You know. Land of our fathers playing, Tim Cumry coming out. What more can you say? Over as fuck. It's not a clean sweep. <laughs> oh, yeah, heel down, heel. <laughs> well, I didn't hear Land of Our Fathers playing. That might that might have tipped it over the edge for me. Um, but if it had been the uh, Reslo theme tune, you would have uh, you would have voted for it, I'm sure. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But for me, it's the uh, the suplex to the floor to end the uh, Yamada Rocco match. I'm not sure I've seen that spot done that way or that sort of. I don't want to say cleanly, but that that well before. Yeah. I just it caught me completely by surprise, and I was just sat just sat in my chair watching it, and I was just, oh fucking hell! Like <laughs> genuinely said that out loud as I saw that happen. And there's not a lot that gets to me like that nowadays. Yeah, that's what that's what my favourite wrestler tried to do and folks. Is that what you thought, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> no, because that that was um, that was Glenn Jacobs. That wasn't Kane. <laughs> That, that that was a great moment though, and again contextually, it's nineteen eighty seven. That's happening, so kind of moves to the outside would have been a lot, a lot less prevalent. Well, around about around about this time, or maybe just before, and or you know whenever it was W. Was it Jim Hurd came back into WCW and banned people from doing moves over the top rope or diving to the outside or anything like that? Bill Watts wasn't it? Which, which Sorry, Bill. Yeah, Bill Watts. Made it even more surprising when he turns up in WWF and he goes all gimmicky. Yeah. Oh, Shark Cage is bigger than that box. <laughs> but don't you dive to the outside. <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, we can't do a sign of the night because there weren't any, at least not that I spotted. It's just um, the Welsh flag, isn't it? I, I went for Welsh flag for sign of the night. All right, yeah. We'll give sign of the night to the Welsh flag. Um, but it does mean we can get to the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. So, Paul, who gets your Rene Goulet? It's Oreg again. That was a fine barnet and coming down into the sideburns as well. It's just everything. It's Welsh rockabilly. It's, it's El Bandito. El Bandito. <laughs> and you couple, it with a, you couple it with a chunky moustache. Yeah. You look fan- fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Head and face of hair, yeah. Fine figure of a man. Absolutely. Rob, who is who gets your Rene Goulet? Well, there's a couple of honourable mentions. I mean, the hair game was strong on uh, the oh. episodes that we've watched. Sure was. I mean, Carl Kramer, mullet at the back and greyed far all over. Um, was <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rick, Ricky Knight with his two-tone mullet, Soraya Knight with her... You know, 80s dynasty hair. But uh, again, you know, the Lego hair of Orig Williams. It is the Welsh Mick McManus. And I just hope I can find Orig Williams and Mick McManus tagging together in the Grecian 2000 boys. 
<laughs> oh god, I'm I'm doing it again. It's not a clean sweep. <laughs> I did have a shortlist like you, Rob. Ricky Knight for his uh, for his blonde pile of bullshit. <laughs> I want to give a, a special mention to Klondike Kate as well for the because uh, she had like a, a subtle little like almost rat taily mullet going on at the back there. But um, I've gone for for Carl Kramer for that blonde. Almost mullet, <laughs> like you like you put it with grade four all over and long at the back. It it, it wasn't a good look, was it? Bless him. No, no oh dear. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was wrestling in all its glory, and uh, I think it's safe to say we all uh, we all had a, had a surprisingly good time watching all that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So, thanks for coming on, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, as I said at the top of the show, without you. And, and Mags invited me on Badlands and, and the fun I had there. There's a, a good chance I wouldn't be podcasting at all. Uh, never mind doing the, never mind doing this every week. So thank you again, mate. It's great to have you on. And uh, just uh, let the boys and girls at home know where can people find you. Well, firstly, it'd be a, it'd be a damn shame if that if that had been the case. So um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you glad you listened to Badlands and it inspired you in some way to do this because it's fantastic and it's been great fun to be a part of and if you ever if you ever want to do another a follow-up wrestler episode i'd be well up for it <laughs> we should we should we should do to be fair we should pick another three matches or something like that and do like a little bonus episode or something if rob's uh, one-man petition to s4c uh, gets its way and uh, they start <laughs> uploading the episodes I think we need to have a media campaign against them. Just keep. Yeah. What, why? Why are all these English people demanding content? <laughs> can we? Can we get hold of Tony Khan when he's particularly coked up and get him to buy the tape library? To add, yeah. just, to just, tell, just, just tell him there's dragons. <laughs> well, since he's chasing it, he'll be up for it. <laughs> Best place to find me uh, on Twitter at, at Raincounter. Give me a follow over there. I'm, I'll, I'll be sure to sure to follow you back. I'm only on only on the one podcast that is that is uh, Badlands that I do with uh, Magsy and Ray Cash. But you nearly <laughs> forgot the name. Of. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Badlands. If, if you've not heard it, go over and check it out. Uh, we have great fun. Uh, our first season, we were looking at creating Mount Rushmore's of various different different, you know, wrestling promotions, uh all sorts of different categories. Now we're looking at wrestling's what ifs. And they can take the take the form of what what if a what if a moment in time had been different, you know, a key moment had changed. Or we do a what if a particular instance of booking happened at some some point in the future. So kind of cover all, all the history points of wrestling really on that and have a bit of fun plotting what we think might have happened so go over check that out we release every thursday over on the Cheershot radio network and it's a great listen it's badlands um it, the first season hooked me into uh, to wrestling podcasting really both listening and and participating in it and the new format with uh, with you mags and ray and the what ifs it sparks such great discussion and 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 my own thought process, but I can never get to it quick enough and formulate thoughts as, as well as you guys put them across. So I never, I can never put them out in tweets. 
it's quite hard it's quite hard to put these we go quite deep with the hypothesizing sometimes it's quite hard in 140 240 characters whatever twitter gives us these days <laughs> although i have to say the idea of how would you book cody Rhodes in aew I think my idea of um, having him in a faction, an all-Irish faction against Seamus, who's trying to distill the essence of the demon, and he gets his canon cousin, Beaker, from the Muppets, and Dr. Buns and Honeydew to distill it, but they try and inject it into uh, Ridge Holland to turn him into a demon, but they accidentally inject it into Cody Rhodes and turn him into Stardust. That's how you box uh, Cody Rhodes in WWE. Yeah, but I, I think that was the obvious route, wasn't it? <laughs> well, if, you, if you want, if you want that sweet Muppet sponsorship, <laughs> there's an obvious way to book Cody Rhodes in WWE. Mid card. <laughs> he's everybody's favourite mid carder. He's the modern day Jeff Jarrett, and that's why I don't like him. <laughs> he's no Jeff Jarrett. He's not as many. He's not as many world titles. He doesn't even have a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be great if they went, Cody Rhodes comes to WWE and he's, he's been elsewhere and he's become a champion and he's going to bring the legacy of the WCPW internet title to WWE. <laughs> <laughs> the promotion where Pete Dunn was a jobber. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to uh, take my next what if to Magazine Ray, which is going to be what, what if Cody Rhodes had been on the Reslo Robs roster. <laughs> He'd have been dubbed Warwick Williams <laughs> in 14 minutes. <laughs> and not a second sooner. Oh, dear. Right. We've got to wrap this up. Rob, Rob, where can people find you? You can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers, so I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. The same place that you're listening to this podcast. You can find the Unbooking the Tankatory podcast, uh, where we're going through the ups and downs of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott, which uh, has been an absolute joy. But if you follow at UTT Tank, you'll also get hashtag Tank Facts. I'll give you a couple of those. Tank Abbott can make snowballs out of rain. You can. I've seen him do it. And... 2K considered putting Tank Abbott in the WWE 2K22 game, but realised that most game consoles can't cope with a number as high as his overall rating. This is true. Tank, they tried to rate Tank Abbott in a video game once, and uh, the the equipment set on fire. Yeah, they decided that if they gave Tank Abbott a rating of 100, they, they'd have to give Roman Reigns a rating of 0. 0.001. <laughs> So how many, based on those numbers, how many Roman Reigns could you get for a Tank Abbott? Oh, not not enough, you know. <laughs> would, would you rather fight one Tank Abbott-sized Tank Abbott or a uh, hundred duck-sized Tank Roman Reigns? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn you, turning my own question against me. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, you can also hear myself and Rob on the monthly pay-per-view reviews 
on the That 90s Wrestling podcast playlist on Primetime Conversations YouTube channel uh, and in podcast form. Uh, check out uh, Primetime Conversations on YouTube, as I say, give it a like, share, subscribe, and uh, follow them on Twitter at Primetime Convos. Uh, you can also hear me on the Doctor Who pod with uh, Sire Powell, where we're discussing uh, one serial per Doctor, see what lands from the new uh, from the new Who for Sire, what lands from the old Who for me. And we're on Twitter at the Doctor Who pod. That's the D-R- W-H-O-P-O-D. So, Do we know where we're going next, Dan? Uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't, actually. <laughs> um, I, I genuinely don't. I, I'm still not uh, still not settled with, uh, with our guest next week, what we're doing. <laughs> well, knowing who our guest is next week, I can quite believe that it won't be till last minute. <laughs> well, we'll be, we'll be talking a lot of bollocks, I'll put it that way. Fair enough. Thank you for listening. Where's Mute on here? It's the microphone button. Ah, there it is. Yeah. I tend to get, I tend to breathe a bit heavy when I'm not talking, so I have to mute myself. <laughs> That's why I like you. <laughs> you normally has to pay one pound fifty a minute for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if there was ever a time to put like an outtake on the end of a show or the beginning, it's it's that. <laughs> <laughs>